This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we're taking a look back at possibly the greatest year in movies, 1999. Geek Mooner! Back when there were still original ideas in Hollywood. In this first edition of the Best Movies of 99, we discuss the Best Picture Oscar winner, American Beauty, and The Sixth Sense, Fight Club, and The Matrix. All that and more in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Thursday, July 2nd, 2020. <laughs> oh, hi. I didn't hear you come in. This is Ross Marquand from The Walking Dead, and you're listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Now, if somebody could please explain to me what a geek boner is, my life would be complete. Until then, rock on, nation. Check. Check one. All right. This is really fans out there. Let's give it up. Oh yeah, what's up listener? Welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news reviews and whatever we choose talking nerd my name is imran my name's anthony he's the jock he's a nerd and joining us of course the internet's favorite felty a puppet who goes through lint rollers like toilet paper it's rug boy what's up rugs how do you like my boobs imran your boobs and that twitter video were amazing listener follow rug boy on twitter at really rug boy you'll get a scandalous thank you cameo video that was amazing I was wearing a bikini. I will put a link to that in the show notes. I don't. You just ruined the reveal. It was an amazing reveal. Oh, but people should go watch it anyways. That's the reason to watch it. Wait, was there a lint roller shortage by you during this uh, pandemic? Here was it a problem? Why? What are you trying to say? I, my tits look linty. Yeah, it was. I just. I think you need a little. Uh, a little scroll. A little rub down. Mm, yeah. A little linty up well, there. Listen. Uh- <laughs> It's hard times right now. It is. Those things are in, in demand and the, the shelves are empty. But you know what, Anthony? We have something that can help uh, everyone out there. And I want to say sh- shout out to listener Pat Downey. Pat Downey will be getting a lot of mentions this episode for buying a bunch of merchandise, specifically a jock and nerd mask. Oh, jock and nerd. Posting a photo to the Facebook group. If you look at your podcast app right now, you will see the picture of amazing Pat Dowdy with this mask on. Uh, we, you guys need masks. We got them, listener. What, Can we take a, a bet on which store that he's in in this photo? Yeah, well, it might be. I don't know. It looks like a Kohl's or Old Nate. No, you I guys, don't know. So wait, no, well, you, you get one guess, Imran. Okay, I'm going to say Kohl's. I don't know. I say TJ Maxx. <laughs> TJ Maxx. Are those still around? Anthony, what do you think? Where is what, it? What is it? You, you'll like the way you look. I guarantee <laughs> oh, it. What's Men's, Warehouse? Men's Warehouse? Men's Warehouse. All right, so yeah. if any of us win... Uh, Pat, you'll That's the no. classy guy. I think it's it's Men's Warehouse. But if you go to jockinner.com slash shop right now, there's a little uh, column on the left. It says masks. You can get all of our designs as masks. This one that he's wearing is the basic model at $10. And then they sell the pleated models. They're $15. Uh, and buy them all up. Pleated models. Yeah, there's pleated models. Right, Anthony? You're going to need multiple masks. And we have them right here for everyone. 
Yeah, you'll, you need a few because you, you're going to put some in the wash and then you're going to go out while those are in the wash. So, yeah, I would say a few. Can I tell you also what people, uh, uh, what I realize I need to carry is mints because when you start wearing a mask, you realize your fucking breath is like, well, what am I doing? Oh, shit. So, yeah, I noticed that too right? after a while. I was going, whoa. <laughs> yeah, hello. What am I smelling? This is, wait a minute, this is me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is my CO2 coming back at me. I need a mint. So, Altoids and masks in the car. At all times. Very important, but do not put hand sanitizer in the car. It explodes. Really? Yes. I've seen. So this one story, the guy left it on his dashboard in the sun and the fucking thing exploded. It melted his car. Oh, shit. That's, I don't well, know. That seems like a dumb thing to do. It's alcohol. Yeah. So, like, an put extreme. Put it in the glove box. Yeah, put it in the glove. In extreme heat, don't leave it out. That's what don't I'm saying. Don't be a shithead. And buy a mask. Jockinder.com slash shop. Get your mask now. Let's get started, fellas. The Jock and Ned Podcast. All right, well, Anthony, explain to the listener uh, what we're doing this week. Uh, we had a lot of fun. It was episode 328. Yeah. Your idea, looking at the Best Picture Oscar race of 1994, where there were three amazing movies, all came out the same year, all nominated for Best Picture. It was crazy. Right, yeah. And so we were trying to think of something to do at the end of last week's show post show and we wanted to we liked the idea of revisiting the oscars and good movie years and we looked at 1999 and we looked at the oscar nominees and those were good but then we just looked at the amount of films that were released in 99 holy shit as uh ron just pushed a a little button to say holy crap this (laughs) this year is amazing so we didn't just limit ourselves to oscar movies we decided to pick Four movies from this group, but um, let me just read the movies that came out in 99 real quick. Okay. I'm just pull it up because it's a wide range of movies. I know you have a bunch of notes here, Ron, that you can get into. So while you pull that up, let's just remind the listener, 1999, we, everyone, the, the nation was nervous about Y2K. Nothing happened. Uh, Bill Clinton was our president. Britney Spears releases her first single, a much simpler time in our collective consciousness there. I think you could agree. Yeah, absolutely. There, people were doing some really risky shit and uh, getting away with murder. It, <laughs> in terms of movies, right, Rugs, or yeah, just yeah. in general, or OJ. I mean, a lot of people, Empire, <laughs> no, Empire or OJ. Yes, uh, Empire. Also, a lot of articles calling this the great, maybe the greatest year in movies, and possibly the last great year in movies. And there's a number of reasons that that might also be true. Why we haven't seen another year like that? But yeah, it was a year of risk taking. Of genre movies of all kinds of budgets. There was a wavelength. A lot of people were on the same wavelength too in these movies. You'll see as you look at them, there's a lot of things in common. There are a so, lot. The movies we're going to talk about, which you'll I've already probably mentioned in the intro, but we'll say it again, have a lot of similarities, even though they're different movies. But these themes repeated themselves in the movies of 1999 specifically. Yeah. So here's just a some of the movies. I mean, they're. I'm going to be forgetting a couple that you guys may yeah, even we'll, we'll go through it fill in. News from the nation. I got a whole list from the nation. Yeah. So here, here's the list that I have, and we're going to talk about some of these. The first four we're going to talk about, uh, The Matrix, American Beauty, Sixth Sense, Fight Club, in that two Oscar nominees and two movies we just picked. Yeah, that were amazing. Out of these. But yeah. along with that, you got Iron Giant, Being John Malkovich, The Green Mile, Eyes Wide Shut, Talented Mr. Ripley, Magnolia, Varsity Blues, American Pie, Galaxy Quest, Office Space, The Blair Witch Project, Cider House Rules, The Insider, Election, 
Boys Don't Cry, Amazing. 10 Things I Hate About You, Amazing. Toy Story 2, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, and the list just keeps going. So here, <laughs> just... here you have a year with thrillers, horror movies, rom-coms, teen movies, family cartoons, genre-defining de- uh, movies of all types of budgets, and most of them are original. You know, the only thing 1999 had that wasn't original that was huge was the return of Star Wars with the release of The Phantom Menace and Pixar making their first ever sequel in Toy Story 2, which is a great sequel. But this was also the time when it was the rise of the indie indie directors, the indie films, like the movies you mentioned. You had the new wave of directors like Spike Jones, Charlie Kaufman, Paul Thomas Anderson, David Fincher, Wes Anderson, M. Night Shyamalan, The Wachowskis, David O. Russell, Mike Judge, Sam Mendes, Sofia Coppola. And then established directors like Michael Mann, Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick, David Lynch, Spike Lee, Cronenberg, Jim Jarmusch all had movies come out in 1999. Rugs, what else do you remember about that year in terms of the movies? I mean, I just I, I went to the movies a lot. I think this is when uh, I, I started to really become cinephile uh, rug boy. Yeah, I was 23. <laughs> so it was the perfect age uh, to get I mean, swept there's into this. some. There's some shitty movies too, but oh, sure. uh, definitely. But I mean, like there was like the it was a post Quentin Tarantino, uh, you know, thing where it, it kind of propelled this indie market, these yep. indies, and it made people take more risks because no one could see that. Oh, people were starting to w- want more of these risky films. So you had like Go, you had Ghost Dog, you had all of these kind of movies that were like. You, you wouldn't think would come out like kind of like run. Yeah. Run Lola run. Yeah. Boondock Saints. Well, I think you can thank Tarantino for, you know, a lot of these movies had really crazy editing, nonlinear storytelling studios were giving money to these risky projects. Something that seems so weird right now where all that stuff is on the streaming platforms. These were all uh, risk risk taking movies from uh, big budget studios with stars and 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 all well, sizes. I mean, you, what what's interesting is like this era is basically before the internet really started yes, to boom. Yes. So you, and you have kind of this end of the the world kind of feel right. Yeah. Like the ninety nine. Yep. No one knew what kind of was going to happen. Yep. And it's just kind of crazy looking back as I am now. Stanley Kubrick reincarnated <laughs> looking back on these movies. It's Kubrick's last movie this year also. Right, yeah. Right. Eyes wide shut. The, just the amount of films, you know, whether you ranging it from what you thought of them, whether they be good, bad or great, just the amount of films that came from this era that still to this day influence pop culture and oh, yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. It's just, it's just insane. I, I, I was blown away looking back at all these movies going holy shit this all came out during the same year there's all by the way a couple more movies yeah south park movie yes, came out that yes. year that's a big, um, big one yeah 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 uh nodding hill was really popular yeah. back then julia roberts had two uh, big movies this uh that year yeah there, so there was a 007 movie right all right was. so they God, yeah. had yeah. a everything. 007 movie a godzilla movie there was godzilla everything. 2000 jeez <laughs> and uh you know you had like a you know, like cartoons, you had all that type of shit. I mean, uh, you had offbeat projects. All these movies are like cult talented favorites. Mr. Ripley, Thirteenth yeah. Floor. There's yeah. so many. There's, there's a, like there's a lot of good movies. Personal really movies, idea driven movies, trying to connect with audiences, with smart and geeky writer directors, and and the young wave of directors. Uh, you also had the DVD boom. This is when remember how big two of the movies we're going to talk about, Fight Club, especially The Matrix, was the biggest selling DVD. That was like when DVDs exploded. I remember everybody had that DVD. 
Also, this year, Netflix started their monthly DVD subscription, starting to do that shift. And also, this is right before all the creativity kind of shifted TV, before HBO put out The Sopranos and just had this run of amazing shows for like the next two decades. Uh, This was that year right before that. So this is why probably this is the last great year we're ever going to have a year that has so many original crazy projects in one year. So now uh, to get closer to the movies we're going to talk about because there was a, the themes we were talking about. Why do we pick these movies? Like, why did we go yeah, about we should it? get into how we picked them. Well, one of them won the best picture. So we had to talk about it. Yes. Well, here, do, do it this way. Yeah. The best picture nom- So we originally for four, 90, the last one we did, we did 94. We did best picture nominees. Yeah, so it was easy. 99's best picture nominees, American Beauty, Cider House Rules, Green Mile, Insider, and Sixth Sense. Now, Five really good movies, yeah. but doesn't really encompass some of the pop culture things yep, that came yep. out that year. So in picking our movies, we American Beauty we picked because it won. Yep. It won, and we'll get into our thoughts. Yeah. Sixth Sense we picked as well. It's Oscar nominee, but that one kind of is still talked about to this day. I see dead people. Absolutely. The, this the effect on the yep. horror genre. It's a new director at the time. He was... I think when there was like articles that he's like he's the next great thing. Yes. Yeah. We'll get into that. And then so yeah. those are the two movies. Yeah. Then we pick two movies that pop culturally and for their genre kind of redefine things. Yeah. The Matrix, yeah. obvious pick, yeah. right? Yeah. And then Fight Club is like every every guy's favorite movie that likes movies. Two huge movies that still resonate to this day. You could see their influence directly in right. everything right now. And I would just say right now too. When we were picking these movies, it was very hard to narrow this down well, to So four. we're going to do more of these. We might do another one next week. But this year has so many movies. It's, and I wanted to focus on four. There's no way you can talk about all these movies in one show. Yeah, so, we have to watch them alone. Yes. And I yeah. pushed it to four because I was like, we we need to at least do these yeah. four. No, these four are great. And I'm super pumped. I'm pumped. To yeah, talk about these too. movies. <laughs> and you'll no, you'll notice a lot of themes. It, uh, yeah. That are similar in these movies and the movies of the '90s. Like, what's your what's your history? Did you watch all rewatch these four? Have you well, seen them enough let, to talk let, about? Let's them? just get into it. Let's start. Uh, we can do movie by movie. Let let us know if you've rewatched it again. Right. I want to get started. I'm going to hit the spoiler button, but these are movies that are 21 years old. You had 21 years to watch the fucking movies. All right, <laughs> don't be mad. I'm only giving the spoiler once. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. Let's start with the Oscar Best Picture winner and a lot of other winners, American Beauty. Um, who did you guys? Let's just start with. Did you rewatch this? I did. I did also, and I think it's probably the second time I've watched it, and the first time was when it came out. So there's a 20 year gap. I will say, rewatching a lot of these movies, some movies I changed the way I felt about them based on watching them again 20 years later. It's been very interesting, Anthony. What's your history with American Beauty? This was the first time I've seen it. Holy shit. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fantastic. That's very interesting because myself, I, s- I knew, I kind of knew about it. Yeah. Like I knew that it won the Oscar. Yeah. I knew little things here and there, yeah. but first time I've ever said that. Wow. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, American Beauty clocking in at 87%, uh, 8.15 out of 10 on the, uh, the average rating. Box office, this movie was made for. A slim $15 million goes on worldwide to make $356 million. Oh, shit. $350 million. Huge box office success and return. This movie is directed by Sam Mendes. His feature film debut. First movie this guy does. He just gave us 1917. A bunch of other great movies. And written by Alan Ball. 
who is best known for television, writing Six Feet Under and I think True Blood. Did he write True Blood? I don't know. <laughs> He's best known for Six Feet Under and True Blood and American Beauty. Um, this one wins Best Picture, Best Actor for Kevin Spacey, Best Director for Sam Mendes, Best Original Screenplay, Best Cinematography. It was also nominated Best Actress, Original Music Score, and Film Editing. The first contemporary set Best Picture winner since The Silence of the Lambs eight years earlier. Of course, main cast, you have Kevin Spacey as Lester Burnham, uh, Annette Benning as his wife, Thora Birch as his daughter, Wes Bentley as the creepy next-door neighbor with the camera, Mina Suvari as the high school cheerleader, and Allison Janney and Chris Cooper as the creepy kids, Ricky's parents. That's kind of your main. And there's a John Cho cameo. I don't know if anybody. Yeah, I saw him. Yeah, John. I was like, oh, shit, John Cho. Uh, But this, so, yeah, this movie out of all of them, my feelings really changed because when I first saw this, I was, like I said, I was 23. I was could relate more to the kids. And now I'm watching this, and I'm like two years older than Lester is in the movie. Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> this is a different perspective. I remember when altogether. I first saw this movie. Yeah. And I was working for like a bunch of 40-year-old dudes. And um, I came in. I said, I saw this movie, American Beauty. It was, it was fucking phenomenal. And they they had both had already seen it, and they're like, "It's not phenomenal. It's <laughs> sick. It's a sick movie." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" And then uh, now I was there watch it as a guy in his 40s. I'm like, "Oh, I can see what they're saying." Anthony, you just watched <laughs> it for the first time. Give us the plot real quick. What's this movie about? In like two lines. Basically, it's about this guy, this suburban middle class guy, who's just unhappy with his fucking life and decides to switch things up once he meets his daughter's hot friend and he along the way he encounters encounters a bunch of people that are equally fucked up in their own ways yeah it's kind of a commentary on suburbia white collar dissatisfaction identity it talks about uh and beauty and power and respect uh and uh, and a midlife crisis and teenage angst split personas in the late 90s, right? Yeah. Or in the mid to late 90s, you had this like technology boom, right? Yeah. So people were literally graduating college and making $100,000 a year. That wasn't right? me. Who were these All people? Right? They, were, they were making like 50 up. grand to 100 grand a year. Yeah. They were freaking, they, it was like this technology boom. If you were in the technology field and you were in New York or whatever, you were good. And so basically like it, there was this like, oh, there was this feeling of like, oh, Everybody was going to be fine. So this this struggle seemed to have gone away. Like we were like climbing up through the eighties to try and get back to like uh, a good economy. So um, that tech bubble and all that other stuff made people feel like they had they had achieved their goals already. Right, right. And then they had nothing to build towards, and they just were on the way down. So like everything is just downhill from here. That was like a, that was a very nineties thing. Like you became complacent. Yep. You kind of achieved some kind of life yeah and then you were like bored with it well everyone's trying to break out of their cubicle life their their right. life that was repetitive routine wanted to feel alive anthony uh from the research i've done i've i've it seemed that when this movie first came out was critics loved it hugely favorable and it seems in the past few years it's kind of fall out of fashion and it's gotten some well, slack what do you, you got a lot, of, a lot of things working against it right you now. do have yeah. an accused uh, sexual predator as the yeah. lead yeah that's right. one yeah. so what did you think watching this now 
Yeah, so this is the movie out of these four that is, I would say, people are like, ah, that wasn't that great. Ah, that probably shouldn't have won. Yeah. There's probably yeah. better movies. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if it should have won. Yes. Um, and it's you know you also have an acute you know an accused sexual predator playing a sexual predator in the movie, yes. so it really hasn't aged well in terms of of that that specific he thing. Nails but, that role though. <laughs> yeah, he does nail that role. That being said, I watched this movie for the first time, yeah. and by the end of it, I went, "This thing is a fucking masterpiece." Oh wow! This, I, I went, "This oh, is amazing. Shit, this is an amazing fucking movie about." So I wrote down each movie yeah. and what like the theme of yes. this each What's movie the in my theme opinion. Of American so for Beauty. me, American Beauty yeah. is about personal truth yeah. or freedom yeah. about finding what really is makes you happy and lester who's the main character in what's what's good about this movie is all the characters he encounters all are looking for that yeah. or have in the, the the weird boyfriend um he's found it so he's the only one that's found it but everyone is fucked up they're all broken but yes everyone's they're all broken, broken people that are yep. looking for what yep. is really beautiful yep. what is the truth Where, yep. and what's most amazing about this film in my opinion is he goes on this journey with to find personal truth by basically being a sexual predator yeah. and then in the midst of eventually getting that that woman the second the 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 17 year old yeah. friend yeah. he goes full circle and realize he become and realizes that this isn't happiness what? and that his family is actually true happiness with a thing he's been pushing away the most right. so it all comes full circle yeah all based on just chasing this 17-year-old girl, which is just fantastic fucking writing, even though it's so fucked up. And then the amazing series of misunderstandings leading to his death are so crazy, and you just you want to yell at them. Every time there's a misunderstanding, I'm yelling at them, going, what the fuck? Why do you think this? What is going on? Uh, and he even tells you in the beginning, uh, again, similar themes. He tells you in the beginning what's going to happen at the end. A lot of these movies are about identity and broken people. Like this movie has a lot of similarities with Fight Club, which we'll get into, which is crazy. But there, it's great lighting. The music this is amazing. The editing is amazing. The cinematography is great. The acting is top notch. I love Spacey's really good. I love Mina Suvari. I thought the wife was a little cartoony, a little over the top, but it, it I get it. Well, she's she's the typical middle class yeah. woman yeah. that's trying yeah. to show yeah. that she's still got it and that she has some sort of status. And it is Oscar bait, though. It is a great movie and Oscar bait. Is it? Is it I feel like it How is, is it a little Oscar bit. Bait? It's not Oscar baity. Not at all. The Oscar bait would be like a period piece or like uh, an underdog story or a, a, a truce a based on a true story. This is like none of that. It's very dark. Yeah, yeah. this is a very it's dark, very suburban dark. film. It, it's a very dark film. And that's one when I, I liked it. See, I liked it a lot when I first saw it yeah. because I related to this idea that uh, it kind of like the fight club idea that all of the shit that we're working for is worthless. Yes. And that you have to find happiness in simple things and in, in just being in, in, and having fun and like doing stuff and forgetting about that, that inner child. So I feel like that the reason why he, he becomes this like uh, obsessed with this young girl, because he's remembering what it likes to, it's like to be in high school, right. have being carefree yeah. and being right. that. Like, and so yeah. she's like his muse yeah. that, um, that will helps him like yeah. kind of break his cycle. And then when it comes time to actually go through with it, he doesn't. Right. And um, he realizes it, that sh- that was just like a, a fantasy and that he's way past that now. But he he did learn something about himself in, in that journey. 
I also just like the ex- as existential stuff. Yeah. I feel like that the next door neighbor kid. Yeah. He brought a lot of a, a lot of weight to everything, and he he just was espousing all this existential bullshit that kind of framed the whole film. Uh, the fact that the daughter was had this toxic relationship with her friend, and her friend was like this habitual liar. Yeah. Like every character is this flawed, yeah. fucked up person. Yeah. And that reflects like how people actually are a lot of times. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a woman who's obsessed with who's obsessed with uh, like I pay attention to little things. Like she drives the Mercedes, but he drives the Camry yeah. that looks like yeah. the, the well, champagne. And she, Camry. She's obsessed with power and respect, and looks up. He to just that. wants to be heard by his wife. Yeah, he's like, don't ignore me, goddammit. What what what's what's really good about this movie though is because the the criticism is all uh you know he's he's it's, he's a pedophile yeah. he's growing after yeah. this girl but if you watch the movie at the end when he realizes she's a virgin yeah. it changes yeah. him and he goes okay like this is the message is correct i'm not supposed to go yeah. for this girl and then he looks back at the photos of his family yeah. and reminisces about the better times yeah. and re- by the end of the film he, before he dies you can make the argument that he wants to go back to his family yeah. And rebuild the relationships that he's lost. Absolutely. And this journey he went on, he wouldn't have gotten to that point if he didn't go on this weird, fucked up journey of going for this seventeen-year-old girl. Because of her, she's the one that starts to get him to work out. She's like the only honest character in the whole thing. Well, no, I wouldn't say she's the on. Actually, the 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 boy, the neighbor well, is the Ricky, most honest yeah. character. But to that point, he not only is attracted to her, but he literally says it verbatim when he meets the guy. Yeah. You just became my hero. Yeah. You just became my best friend or my yeah. hero. And the guy's like, I quit my job. Yeah. I'm going to smoke. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> so he's attracted to this like youthful yeah. youngness of like, give no fucks, badass. Give no fucks. Yeah. Like well, he a also, simpler time. He also overhears his daughter and her friend talking and oh, she's yeah. talking about, she's going to fuck him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he already thinks that she's, that she's into this. Right. Also, so and that doesn't excuse it, but I feel like it fuels that this it fuels this whole thing. But it was written so well. Uh, Mina Suvari's character didn't come off as like a victim. Like she she knew how men look at her, what they want to do. She knew what you know what power she had. But then it ends up she's just she's a frightened little child. You know uh, when it gets there, she's proje- yeah she's projecting what she thinks people would like about her, but what she really wants. And what she gets actually at the end of the film after she shows her tits is she gets a father figure in Lester yep. who starts to comfort yep, her. He, it turns into take yep, care of her a daughter, of father. It becomes a father, daughter. Thing. I mean, the, the, the most surprising part to me, I literally said, what the fuck, yeah. is when the military guy kisses him. I oh, go, shit. oh, well, shit. Again, confusion <laughs> about your identity. I don't think I think he well, was either. I think that that works, too. On a, Absolutely. On a yeah. second yeah. viewing. Yeah. He's so buttoned up and yeah. prim and proper and his hair is always perfect so repressed but, that it just comes you know out. like it, the the wife is miserable like that she's catatonic yeah, yeah. she's <laughs> allison jenny is great and then you see just the way he is like how you could misinterpret what he was saying it was just so well done it's yeah it, it, i watched and i went this movie literally has all the puzzle pieces in place puzzle pieces in place perfectly and that's uh, that is again like all the other movies we're talking about there's puzzle pieces in place to get you through it and you watch it again it, it reveals itself this movie also had great iconic scenes you have you know the roses mina savari on the ceiling with the roses falling and the bag the floating bag anthony what do you think about that does that still hold up is that still beautiful 
of the floating bag. I would say that'd probably be the only thing that doesn't a hold up for me. A little pretentious now, maybe? It's a, it's a little fucking yeah. weird to be telling everyone, oh, look how beautiful that floating bag is. My One of my favorite bits in the in the whole thing is that he's beaten off in the shower, yeah. and he says, this is the best part of my day, and it's all downhill yeah, it's from It's all here. downhill from there. It's so good. Like, fucking great writing, great voiceover. And, and then he's beaten off, and then his wife catches him, and he says he doesn't care. Instagram's so great. Lester, I, I had two other observations about how a movie about a pervy middle-aged guy and his Nazi next-door neighbor might have seemed really weird in 1999, but it seems very timely now. Oh, shit. Which is but crazy. I mean, like, I feel like there's precedent for this. Like, I mean, Lolita. Yeah. It almost became know, a Lolita thing. Yes. It was like a Lo- Lolita yeah, was yeah. 12. Yes. You know, yeah. like uh, this is way different than that or 14. I don't remember. But she was young. Yeah. And um, it, Amy Fisher. Remember that shit? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. that was in the news like a few years prior. So I felt like it was kind of timely. But like, it, you know, at the, he died at the end. Yeah. So it's like, you don't. You know, he's not doesn't have a great life afterwards. Like he ends up getting whatever is coming to him. So I feel like it's it's okay. I don't know. Like it I, in in the context to take us through the journey. Yeah. But um, I mean, there's movies about actual pedophiles that are freaking way yeah. worse than this. I think there's a movie called Happiness. Oh yeah, that's a lot darker. That also oh, it, came out before. I made me want to vomit when yeah. I was in the theater. Uh, but um. This is like a, a little bit more fantastic. I I don't think they should have showed her boobs. Yeah. Not like at at that point. I, I mean, think Mina Savari. Like, the other girl showed her boobs too. I, They're both yeah, showed of them boobs. did. Thor Birch, so yeah, because she wanted yeah. a boob job for some reason. I mean, I you know, she, she it, had no, that girl had no no need for a boob job. No, no. Well, that was kind of the point. Is she yeah, didn't get so. that she didn't need one. She just thought she did. You know, <laughs> this movie kind of holds up as a time capsule. It's an amazing snapshot of the late nineties, and I get this rebellion of for suburbia, but. You look back at it now, and the dude has everything. He had a family, he had a house, he had a nice job, nice car. Like, he, what, 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 what are you complaining about, Lester? We got fucking cry about. But I get it. Back then, it's well, different. no, he was getting fired from his job. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was. And he had so that was the catalyst. He was like working for this job, and they they wanted to prove himself, and he was like pointing out the hypocrisy. Like, oh, you guys are efficiency experts. What about this shit? He's wasting money on hookers. Yeah. You can fucking fire me. Yeah. And that. You know, and then he tried to tell his wife and his wife kept on like, I don't know, just not listening to him. That just sent them reeling. I love when he catches her with uh, the other realty guy at the drive through and he's just like, no, I don't have to do anything. You tell me ever again. <laughs> yeah. <It's> fucking badass. <laughs> and then, the, you know, the color red is another thing that shows up in other movies and the roses being symbolic. But any uh, final words on American Beauty? I, I kind of agree that maybe it shouldn't have won Best Picture. Like, I could make a case for maybe The Green Mile or The Insider or even The Sixth Sense. I, I haven't seen all those movies, yeah. but I, I was not disappointed with this movie. Being I feel the like best that picture. Kevin Spacey being persona non grata and being, like, you know, accused of all this stuff or yeah. whatever he did it, whatever, um, makes it, it, it sours it a little bit for me. Yeah. Um, and, and it sucks because I like a lot of movies that Kevin Spacey's in. Yeah. And um, so I always have to like be like, oh, this guy, blah, blah, blah. I will say out of these four movies we're talking about watching it a second time, it is it's a there's a lot of great things. It is a great movie, but I think it's my least favorite out of the four for sure now. But to watch over and over again. Yes. Well, now you feel like a perv, especially when, you're, when I was younger. <laughs> a little dude, bit. When I saw it and I was like yeah. in my 20s. Yes. Like I was like, all right. I'm like, you know, like, all right. Yeah. 
it's great. Like this girl's hot. Like yeah. Mina Servari is yeah. like somebody I probably would have hit on. She's so good in real life. She's yeah, she's great so, in the movie. Um, at, at that time in my twenties, I would be like, oh, so I, I did. I, to me, she was just a hot girl. But when you're older, you're like, oh, that's a that's a that's a young girl or supposed to be a young girl. I loved how Ricky didn't find her beautiful and kind of shattered her image, and then Lester was right there to pick up a pick her up. <laughs> I, I don't think. I mean, in comparison to the other yeah. films, there isn't. I think it's fucking it's, great. Yeah, first off, right. but I don't. I don't. There isn't like something to be cool to latch yeah, on to. Yeah. So that I think, in terms of how it kind of stacks to other movies from this era, these films that we're going to talk I about, I think it's the least talked about too. But I don't know what it my, is. The least. My yeah, biggest gripe with this film is uh, is um, a timing thing. Yeah. The concept of time. Yeah. It feels like it's like two or three days. Yeah, it goes by really quick, but, but it, it was like weeks. over a period of a, mu- a month. Yeah, of his life. Yeah, so it doesn't feel like a month. It feels like it feels like it's just propelling itself way too quickly. So that's my only my only film criticism. Yeah. Um, other than like stuff that's like makes me uncomfortable that has nothing to do with the film. It has right. to do with context, the social context that we live in now. Yeah. Um, which is weird because. As a film critic, you're not supposed to let that stuff stand in the way of the art, yeah, right? You're supposed yeah. to just judge the art as it is. And like, if you were to like to never not never know anything, just look at the art, and it should stand on its own. I mean, the art itself is amazing. The composition of these shots, the the lighting, the way it's like classical Hollywood lighting, and they the characters sit into the lighting, the, or it's the the use of red, the use of red, in every scene, yeah, the, the use of. Uh, you know the the top of their fa- head is a little dark, and then the light comes up from underneath and just beautifully fades. To uh, it's so it's so well done, so thoughtful. Every shot is thoughtful. All right, uh, that's good. Let's move on to the next movie, listener. You want to get involved with this conversation? Let us know what you think. Join our Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. It's closed. It's exclusive, just for you. Love to get to meet you. And many of our listeners did tell us what they thought about 1999. We will share that. At the end, the next movie I want to talk about is the other Oscar Best Picture nomination, The Sixth Sense. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, this one sitting at 86%, 7.65 out of 10. This one, listen to this. This movie was made for $40 million. Worldwide, it finished at $672 million. Oh, shit. Holy balls. The second highest domestic movie that year behind Star Wars Episode One, And for a long time, it was the highest grossing horror movie of all time until it came out in 2017. Directed by a fresh, young M. Night Shyamalan, old Manuj. My buddy Manuj, directed and written. This is his third movie. His first two were small, independent things. Didn't make a lot of money. This is the movie that established him as a force at age. It came out on his 29th birthday. Oh, shit. He was fucking 29. Um, uh, This was nominated for Best Picture, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, Original Screenplay, Director, and Film Editing. Didn't win any of those, I believe. Uh, The main cast in here, you got Bruce Willis. This is Dr. Malcolm Crowe, Haley Joel Osment as Cole, Tony Collette as his mom, and uh, an amazing, that's, that's the main cast, an amazing cameo by Donnie Wahlberg, which we can talk about later. I that was him? I didn't even know. It. Let's just talk. Let's just jump there. Or does somebody want to give the plot, the story? It's a very straightforward yeah, story. give it real yeah. quick. We're going to jump to Donnie Wahlberg. That's the first thing we're talking yeah. about. Um, <laughs> Surprising. <laughs> uh, the plot, real quick, is... 
this child psychologist has an incident with one of these kids that's now an adult that's grown up that he didn't exactly help in the way that guy wanted. Uh, a year later, or maybe six to eight months later, he gets a chance to help another kid that's having psychological issues, or so he thinks. Um, but these issues are much deeper than that, and this is Bruce Willis as the psychologist's chance to kind of redeem himself. And if you didn't already know, there's a twist at the end. So, uh, when did you did you rewatch this recently, Anthony? I've, I rewatched all these films in the last five did days. You, yeah, five so days. did I. But did you see? Have I? But I've seen Sixth yeah. Sense before. Yeah. So I was watching, but this is probably the second time I've seen yeah. it, and I was watching it with the perspective of knowing what the twist yeah, is. Yeah, so me too. I think this is, I, I watched it again. It's probably the second or third time. Uh, but man, amazing. Like one of the movies where you, you can't rec- recreate the first time watching it, the definitive twist movie for the ages, but watching mm. it again is very good. Rugs, what did you think watching this again? When I saw it the first time, I was like, holy fuck balls. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. And then when it came out on DVD, I made everybody I know watch it yeah. with me. Yeah. And uh, I've seen it a few times. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen me it. Me too. A lot uh, of these like, movies. It was, when the DVD first came out, I remember I showed it to a few people and I watched it. And then it's been you know years and podcasts later where we talk about movies and have to think about movies more. And uh, knowing the twist and watching it, it makes me appreciate the movie more about how it's crafted. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Dude, this fucking movie still holds up. It's still amazing. And it's more than just the twist ending. I mean, I'm watching this and you see this is Stanley Kubrick meets Stephen King meets Alfred Hitchcock meets Steven Spielberg meets a little bit of poltergeist shit. And uh, it, it is so simple and, and subdued and it's so good. And the way he makes you see what he wants you to see when the clues are there the whole time. Fucking amazing, amazingly put together. And of course, you, you get the uh, I see dead people line, which is firmly rooted in pop culture forever. Anthony, thoughts on The Sixth Sense watching it now and watching it again? As I mentioned, I knew the twist, yeah. so I, but this is probably the second time I've watched it in forever. So it's been a long time and I have a new perspective on things. This movie, even knowing the twist, is also a fucking masterpiece. It really is. It, and the 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 um the problem or not the problem the the thing is most people will pigeon pigeonhole this as a horror ghost movie. Right. And let, by the way, the horror still made my hair yep. stand up on the yep. back of it's my on my very neck. good horror movie. Very yeah. good. Um, but it is not a ghost movie. It is a movie about closure yeah. and the things that you wish you could have done or said. To the person that dies and unexpectedly. It's kind of family. It's kind of like a family emotional. It's super emotional. It's, well, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's those, th- you know, it's every, whenever someone passes away, there's always like, oh, man, I wish I would have said that. The unresolved business of dying before it is your time. And that is what this movie is really about. And in that sense, this movie is super emotional, as you were mentioning. Yeah. I mean, the ending scenes with, the, with Haley Joel Osment and Tony Collette in the car, yeah. and then Bruce Willis when the twist is revealed, but then him talking to his wife, I mean, those scenes, it's the twist is, is what gets you in the door, but 
those scenes make you want to rewatch the movie Dude, over and that, over. Again. I fucking teared up. I was I was a little lit also, so I'm like super emotional. <laughs> and the scene in the car when he tells his mom finally and it tells her about his grandma, I was like, fuck. I was tearing up. Haley Joel Osment is so fucking good. He is oh, yeah, he so carries this movie. fucking good in this he movie. Does. And he carries it. Credit to him, he took some time away and came back and has a pretty solid adult career acting and like he's really funny. He's been in Future Man and a bunch of like streaming sitcoms. Uh, the dude's hilarious, but in this, as a, the I see dead people kid, fuck his the emotion is there. Yeah, he's the really journey good. both Cole and Malcolm go through, and how they help each other, uh, and the clues to the twist at the end throughout the movie are fucking amazing. And you watch it again, and I picked up more things watching it again. Like you, he never talks to anyone after he's shot. He's always wearing the same clothes. Well, no, he's wearing a sweater sometimes. Well, yeah. that sweatshirt, though, was the sweatshirt she gave him in the beginning before right. he got the, shot. The rules or anything that he can wear, yeah. anything that he wore that you day. You realize he, he, can't, he can never open that door with the red doorknob, and then you see why later. You notice he doesn't move chairs when he sits in them. Uh, the, the only time he does interact with the real life is when he breaks that glass door because he gets so mad he thinks his wife is cheating on him. That he's able to like break through to the real world, uh, you know, and the whole thing that that he only sees what they want, what the ghosts want him to see, is exactly what M Night does to you as a viewer. He just shows you what he wants you to see, and that it's, it was there the whole time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a very restrained performance by Bruce Willis, and I think that that's it also works. good because yeah, he he can bring it when he wants to, yeah. And he's been phoning it in for years, and it makes you remember how good he could be. Um, you know, Haley Joel Osment is great. Tony Collette is also great as the mom, and there's a lot of emotional, uh, you know, weight to her as well. Like she feels like she's at the end of a rope with this kid, but she loves him. And he, you see the conflicted like way he has to think about. Am I going to lie to my mom again? Yeah, he 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 he's being told that so to lie she is the right thing. Yeah, so he's lying to her because, you know, she's she he has to like take responsibility for whatever these ghosts are doing in the apartment and whatever yeah. taking the brooch, yeah, and opening so the like, drawers and shit. Yeah, so there's a lot of like heavy lifting acting. He's so this good. is like yeah. top level acting going on in this movie. So it is a credit to M Night Shyamalan, yeah, for a young mm-hmm. director to be able to to get these performances and know that that's what he wants. And and get and know how to restrain. Like he he didn't go for these over the top. He everything was understated, very understated. And there was a lot of like emotion behind. Like it's one thing where you're like, I'm going to like emote everything, but then to kind of like not emote, but then have that emotion push through. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's fucking. I I can't I can't get enough of that in acting. It's great. What what's great about this movie and kind of a curse is this is like the blessing and the curse movie for M. Night Shyamalan yes. because he makes his best movie and he shows the restraint that Rugboy talked about with the acting and the storytelling and yet everyone focuses on the twist and M. Night Shyamalan becomes so obsessed with twist movies yeah. that he can't top himself. I don't think he's ever by, topped by making every movie, movie now a twist movie. What What's beautiful about this yeah. movie is 
you don't anticipate the right. twist. The clues are in front of yeah. you, but you're not seeing them. Whereas every movie moving forward, he became known as the twist director. So now you're looking for the clues and you're not actually paying attention to the But there's nothing story. wrong with that. The problem is you have to get even more and more clever every movie to hide the clues. And that's fucking hard. I don't think he can. No, I, I think there is something wrong with that. I think, I think when you become obsessed with making a twist... You start to lose the lose sense of what makes sense in a real story. Yes, but this twist, the the beauty of this twist is it's satisfying. It's earned. It's done in such a masterful way that it was there the whole time. I mean, it Nolan's under the same pressure now, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Nolan has to make mind fuck movies. I mean, when you become when a mind, mind fuck, fuck director, guy, that's but your he thing. became <laughs> just the twist guy, which is a huge no, pigeonhole. He, he became the Batman guy for a while, which yeah. didn't need twists. Yeah, really. No, I'm right. talking about M. Night became the twist guy, right. and you cannot live up to that. It's very hard. No, and um, but I do like his other movies. I like Unbreakable. Do you think he's? I don't think he's ever topped this movie. I don't, no, right? I, this is probably Unbreakable his best. is like a close second. Unbreakable is a close second, but I. With a good twist. With a good twist. <laughs> but I don't think – so let's just talk about the twist in 1999. Like I said, this became the definitive twist ending. The only thing I remember that happened before this was the crying game seven years earlier. And spoilers. Spoiler alert. He was a man the whole time. I mean, time. there was like Luke, I am your father. Like twist. Well, okay, so there was that. But then after this movie – there was lots of copycat twist, bad fucking twist movies. Everybody wanted to do it. But M. Night said he was inspired by Planet of the Apes. That had a big twist. And Psycho had yeah. a big twist. And it's also similar to The Exorcist in the terms of the kid being possessed. And, you know, he's like the father figure, like the pastor. The amazing thing is he tells us the twist halfway through the movie. He is looking directly at Bruce Willis saying, I see dead people. They don't know they're dead. They don't see other dead people. The camera is on Bruce's face when he's saying a lot of these lines. Holy oh, shit. He's telling What's us. also good about that scene, besides the fact that he's they're telling you what the twist is, is from that moment on, you start to see the ghosts. Yes. Besides Bruce That's Willis. That's true. You and see his ghosts. It ratchets yeah. up the horror mm-hmm. so much, and you doesn't. it's not much. Like It's just seeing people with bruises and yep, throwing yep. up. And it, just having them scurry across the screen, I legitimately I had the goosebumps that Joel Haley Joel Osment talks about in the fucking. That's a movie. great line. He's like, you know, when the hair stand on your end, that's them. He's so fucking right. good. And I also love like <laughs> there was an accident. She's like, oh yeah, is the lady dead? Can you see her? Where is she? And he's like standing right next to me, <laughs> just this fucking there yeah. with blood. I was like, such so a, good. a such a real a, such a great. You know, film. in one way, the movie's telling us like we can all see dead people. You're just not open to it. Like I think everyone has. Maybe the sixth sense. Just some people are more open. Yeah, I mean, there's some theory about the dead, the dead, and a lot of the dead that float around because there's un- un- unfinished things, unfinished business, or unresolved matters. Uh, uh, regarding the twist, I wanted to say that it was amazing. Nobody spoiled this. This was still kind of like the internet was still only around for a few years. Movies didn't have websites. Things didn't go viral. Things didn't go viral. Word of mouth on this movie was huge. I watched an interview. M Night goes, "The Sunday was bigger than the Friday opening night." Which right. is rare because everyone is like, I can't tell you what happens, but you have to go see this movie before. And uh, Cro- Blair Witch Project kind of did the same thing that year, uh, fooling people that it was real footage, you know, getting them to go see yeah, it. Yeah, that was a dirty trick. That was a very dirty trick. But they did it. I did they, not, pulled it they pulled that one off. I did not appreciate it. So here's some fun facts, and this will lead us to, back to Donnie Wahlberg because this is some amazing shit. Uh, the Disney executive who bought the script was fired after he bought the script because he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> 
which is dumb. It was one of the three films Bruce Willis starred in as part of a settlement with Disney. Michael Sarah originally auditioned to play Cole. I'm glad he didn't get it. Haley Joel killed it. Marissa Tomei was almost uh, Cole's mother. I kind of see that. But Tony Collette was great. Uh, and then M. Night regretted casting himself as Dr. Hill. He always, that was, remember, he was, he always have a cameo. Why? Who cares? Like, it wasn't that important. He's fine. Yeah. Just read the lines. But he always puts himself in his movies. And I think he stopped that later. But then the craziest thing, Donnie Wahlberg, who plays Vincent Gray, the guy who shoots Dr. Malcolm in That's the crazy. beginning. That uh, First of all, I had no idea. Oh, That's shit. Donnie Wahlberg. He me lost neither. 43 pounds. Maybe oh, just shit. a guy that's named Donnie Wahlberg. No, it was actually Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> 43 pounds to play this character. He said he had read the script and made him cry. He wanted to convince uh, M. Night to hire him, and he did. And so he isolates himself in Manhattan. He stops like eating. He cuts himself off. He tries to get into the mind of Vincent Gray. And when he showed up to shoot, M. Night didn't even recognize him. He walked right by him and didn't recognize him. Uh, and that's a, it's an ama- it's a very pivotal scene and role and performance in that movie to sell it's, it. It's, it's a hook. Why role. is he in his underwear? Okay. He, uh, Donnie Wahlberg wanted to do the scene naked. Oh, shit. He said, if Vincent, this is his quote, he goes, if Vincent is coming to stop his suffering and in his own life, then why is he wearing anything? To me, he strips down and is in the bathroom, fully naked, clothes on the floor. So he found out the movie's going to be PG-13. They couldn't do that. They just put him in dirty underwear. But I, I think it works. Like, he would. He would come in. He would take all his clothes it's off just, and expose himself. It's just a disturbing scene. Very disturbing. movie. And then you even like Bruce Willis goes, oh, it doesn't hurt anymore. It's getting okay, you know. And then you realize like that's kind of when he crosses over. But fuck, uh, it's still an amazing movie on so many levels to this day. And M-, M. Night will never make a better movie. I mean, listen, the reason why we picked these movies is yeah. because they're great. It's crazy that they all came out in the same fucking year. 1999 and, was an amazing year. And, uh, yeah, they still they still hold up. Yes, they do. We're going to take a quick break. Before we do, though, my balls was hot. What that means, we got to thank our awesome sponsor. Support for this show comes from Manscaped, the guys who make the finest grooming tools for your grooming experience. And I have good news for everyone, guys. You know, we've been running this initial test with Manscaped for the past two months. They like the results. Listeners, you guys did great. You guys and did it for us. We And we are actually, this is a legit sponsor that decided to stay on for a few more months. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is like our first like legit awesome sponsor with a great brand. Manscaped couldn't be better people to partner with. Anthony, how excited are you? I'm so excited that I want you guys to buy more stuff for Manscaped. I'm pumped. Yeah, me too. Including yeah. the Weed Wagger. So if you're not into... um trimming your your nuts you can trim your nose hairs at least shave your balls trim your nose visit manscaped.com use the code jock and nerd you will get 20 percent off and free shipping and yeah. i'm not i'm not gonna be happy until i have a vibrating trimmer in the hands of every listener i will not be happy we will get this done they have great packages great deals they got a subscription plan to get blades every few months you can get 20 percent off free shipping jock and nerd at manscaped it's getting hot you got to shave your balls and your balls will thank you. Get ready for going back out. Maybe. <laughs> Until they shut everything Maybe. down again. Maybe if you're in the south or the west, yeah. probably not. But still, you need to manscape. I did see that it's available in Australia now, Benjamin oh. Wesley Cranford. 
We see you, Wesley. Yeah. Use the code. We know you got to shave those old balls of yours <laughs> before you go out kayaking or whatever the hell you do. I want to yeah. yeah, make it more dynamic uh, uh, yes. in the water. You want to yeah. be streamlined in those Australian waters. Uh, what? Hydrodynamic. Hot, right? Yes. Slide through like a fucking dolphin. Smooth. <laughs> uh, use the code. Thanks, everyone, for using the code. I hope you're enjoying the products. They're great products. And thanks to Manscaped for believing in us. Let's take a quick break. Play some protos. And we will be back with two more awesome movies to talk about right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, my name's Paul, and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I'm not an animal expert either. And together we do a podcast about animals called Varmints. Every week we pick an animal, do a bunch of research on it, and bring you some interesting facts about that animal. But we don't stop there. We talk about that animal in movies, TV, and other pop culture. And we talk about whether or not that animal would make a tasty dish and how intelligent we think it is on the scale of 1 to 10. It's exactly like one of those fancy PBS nature documentaries. Except with more poo jokes. New episodes go live every Thursday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can visit us at blazingcariboustudios.com. <laughs> Varmints! Varmints! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm one of the hosts of Massive Late Fee. Do you remember Blockbuster? Well, we do, and we racked up a lot of late fees there. That's why we're glad there's things like Netflix, Hulu, and Blockbuster has died, mostly because of us. We cover streaming shows and pretty much whatever we want. Join us every Thursday as we talk TV and movies on Massive Late Fee. You can find us at Massive Late Fee on Twitter, Massive Late Fee on Facebook. You can email the show at Massive Late Fee at gmail.com. Email.com, and you can find us at MySpace, Massive Late Fee. Massive Late Fee, the best podcast we can think of. Listener, if you've been enjoying the show, uh, there's a number of ways to support the show. First is using the code at Manscaped, jockandnerdmanscaped.com. Next is join our fan club. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon where you can support the show and you get stuff like stickers and t-shirts and everyone gets bonus content nerd. uh you get access to an exclusive rss feed where the shows come out early bonus content is posted there post shows movie reviews huge shout out and thanks to our newest patreon member pat downey yeah. <laughs> signed up for ten dollars the month level that's the you pick it level he gets to pick a movie Pick a good one, Pat. Don't pick a shitty movie. Or I else told him there's you. no rush. This is an important decision. <laughs> Choose wisely. Take your time. So he has it. Yeah, he's chosen wisely. But this is, a, we need more Pat Downies. Look, he listens to the show. He joined the group. He bought a bunch of merchandise. We got him on this escalator. He's got, he's joined our Patreon. Pat Downey, use the Manscaped code and you'll be golden. Oh, shit. We need more Pat Downies. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we have three new Corona binge reports from Rugboy. You mentioned right. last week. It's actually four movies in three reports. Want to repeat again what you did, Rugs? I did uh, Triple Frontier uh, and Den of Thieves in like a two uh, double feature. An action, action block, an action twofer. Then I did Full Metal Alchemist as a Japanese film that I watched uh, uh, based on the anime and manga. Live action based on anime. That's right. And uh, of course... I wouldn't be remiss to not include some kind of uh, 
independent film that has some weird gravitas, which is Vox Lux, uh, starring Natalie Portman as a pop star. I like when you throw these in, kind of like the terminal, like these weird indie movies with with big stars that you're like, what's this fucking movie? That's just kidding. Yeah, I, I like to see what they, you know, they do one for them and then they do one for them for, for the studio. Yeah. They kind of yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll yeah. do one to fucking buy a house. Yeah. And then I'll do one to like fucking feel good about myself as an actor. Or in the so, case of Nick Cage, let me do eight to pay back the IRS. Oh, shit. Eight in a year. Yeah. It doesn't care what he did. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the movie is. I just need money. I'll do it. Nick, do you want to start a yes? Yes. Why do we just start? Put me in it. Why do we start shooting? <laughs> uh, Anthony, you got anything uh, in the hopper for the uh, Corona Binge Reports? No, because watching four, watching these four movies it's would a have lot. been... The four movies, maybe that I would have, you know, it, it took the place of four movies I might have watched for binge reports, and I didn't want to spoil my my thoughts on the binge reports. Yeah. So well, I get it. Watching four go. movies is a lot in a week. I did watch a lot of other things, which we'll talk about later. Let's get back into it. These next two movies, probably some on my fucking favorite movies list ever. Movies that everyone has seen over and over again. We're gonna start with Fight Club, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. 79%, 7.37 out of 10 average rating. This one was made for $63 million and only ends up with a budget of $100 million. Here's the thing. When this came out, it kind of flopped at the box office and it was panned by critics and uh, nobody went to see it until it came out on DVD in 2000. And since then, it has sold more than 6 million copies. Oh, shit. It was the first DVD, this and the next movie. First big DVD, I still have it, like the original when it came out that everybody had uh, bought when in the DVD boom. Based on a 1996 Chuck Palahniuk novel. So this one is not original, but it feels original. Well, it was like a very well-received novel that was kind of groundbreaking in its time. People were yes. talking about this novel. And he does stay pretty faithful to it from what I understand, except for the ending. Uh, he changes a little bit, but... Still, it feels fucking original, and it was a, a a blast in the face when it came out. Directed by David Fincher, uh, this is not his first movie, so he's a little more established at this point. He's coming off Seven, and he had done the game after both awesome movies, both great movies after years of doing awesome music videos. Uh, and it's written by uh, Chuck Palahniuk, the novel, and Jim Ols screenplay. Uh, nominated for best effects and sound effects editing. I don't think it won either of those, but it had two nominations. Anthony, this is one of the movies that I know all the lines that I'm doing the lines as the movie's going on that I've seen many, many times again. I did rewatch it again this week and I fucking loved it. What is your history with Fight Club? So I knew the ending, but I don't think I've ever sat down and actually watched the entire movie. What? Did, what, did, point. what did you know about the ending? I knew that Tyler Durden was, was actually oh, wasn't it was real. a disassociative yeah. identity disorder yeah. mm. that I did. Uh, the narrator was having. So I watched this movie for the first time, but knowing that that was a twist. Give us the plot of this one. Uh, <laughs> this is about a similar to American Beauty, yeah. a kind of a, a middle aged guy, maybe a little younger than middle aged, in his thir- early thirties, who's stuck in. Uh, the monotony of his life and is looking for more and he's got uh, a lot of issues. Uh, he's so fucked up that he's going to uh, these morbid clubs to just gain happiness. And in that, in the, in that journey, he finds 
this character named Tyler Durden who opens up his eyes to a new way of thinking and a, uh, a free spirit anarchist type thinking. Yeah, yeah. And they go on this journey together. But a lot of similarities to American Beauty, anti-capitalist, anti-consumerism. Uh, another great twist ending similar to The Sixth Sense, but right. the themes of masculinity and the existential feeling of being empty. Uh, and of course, famously known for uh, including meatloaf with tits. Oh, shit. <laughs> Can't forget that. This is a huge part of his name was Robert Paulson. Uh, what, what did you think of? Uh, what do you think of Fight Club? So Fight Club, this is a movie that literally anyone that I talk to that's a cinephile or likes movies goes, that's that's one of the best. It's my top 10. Yes. I think it's very good. I think it, I think it has all the pieces for a very, very good movie. Is it my favorite out of the ones we watched? I'll say this right now. No. Yeah. Um, but it, it is very good. Um, I, I enjoy the way it's the, a lot of the themes. A lot of people will bring up like anarchy or mm-hmm. um, may, like male uh, masculinity, ma- aggressive masculinity. I, I would put this as a movie about two things, repressed male identity yeah, and identity. balance. Because yeah. a lot of people come out of this movie and they go, you know, the big thing was all these fight clubs are starting or whatever. Yeah. But if yeah. you watch the movie, the the thing you learn at the end is that you can't be this crazy introvert like the narrator is. Right. Um, that's just very agreeable and very conscientious. Um, you can't be Tyler Durden you can't either. Be ty- yes. You can't mm. be the other side of it who's a free yep. spirit who gives no fucks about anything yep. and yep. leads himself to this anarchist downfall. So yeah. the movie for me is about finding a balance between that split personality, and it's not. This is taken to the nth degree in this movie, but yeah, everyone yeah. kind of has that push pull of the angel and the devil on you, and this yeah. is what that movie is really about. You can have both if you can find the balance of the both sides. That's interesting. Yeah. When I went to go see this movie, I went with my I, my I had a girlfriend. I had a girlfriend at the time. How? And she <laughs> felt and or she human? um was into Brad Pitt. And yeah. That's the only reason that she wanted yeah. to see this movie. I didn't know what I was in for because I thought it was going to be like a Rocky movie about fighting. Right. And right. I was like, Oh, Kung Fu movie. Let's right. do it. Right. And the commercials didn't let you know what it really was about. Yeah. Um, they kept it to the vest. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to see a movie. If I could, why is there soap in the thing? I didn't, I didn't <laughs> get it. So when I initially saw it, I didn't like it. Yeah. Because it wasn't what I expected. Yeah. And then I, one of those things just kept on nagging me. Like, I was like, I got to see that movie again. Like, I, I mean, I, I didn't give it a chance. I got to go watch it a second time. So I went by myself and watched it a second time. And I was like, blown away at, because then I realized what the movie is. Yeah. And uh, I was like, this is a film about, uh, about evolving. This is a film about evolution. Yeah. All right. Uh, men used to be an important factor. Yeah. All right. We used to have to do things um, because like we had the agency to do them because women and in, in, in the hunter gatherer sense, you know, at a certain age, they'd start to get pregnant and they'd either die from from giving birth or or be, you know, having to tend to to raising kids. And there's, there wasn't any birth control. So men had to kind of had to do a lot. All right. And now in this time, there, there's no use for men. There's really, we're trying to stop men from being men. We're, we're trying to 
stamp out everything that men are. Yeah. Because they, they, we don't need them anymore. They've 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 served their purpose. They've gotten us, you know, uh, a million years into evolution, and now like we don't need to be around anymore. We just we're just DNA, you know, suppliers at this point. And that's what I got from this film. It was like when when I think that every man who's growing up in this world now realizes that we have sports and all this other stuff to kind of reignite little parts of our masculinity that we have. And and these movies, these action movies with guys with big muscles and stuff, it's all there to kind of like prop up and make us feel like a, like that we're a gender that no longer needs to exist. And I mean, the, this movie has that, and it kind of sees that 20 years ago. It's definitely about father figures, gender roles, gender in general, as well as insomnia. The main cast, I forgot to mention, of course, Ed Norton as the narrator. He never gives his name. He gives fake names. You never know what his name is. It may be Jack. Some people call him Jack because he's reading those, you know, I am Jack's raging bile duct. And then Brad Pitt as Tyler Durden and Helena Bottom Carter as Marla fucking Singer. Uh, but dude, you gotta believe what I saw. They said 23. I fucking connected with this. Yes. Fuck the rules. Uh, self-improvement is masturbation. Self-destruction. However, like I, I bought all of that, the disaffected frustration of Gen X and the anarchy. And it's crazy how you see some of those kind of stunts, you know, being pulled recently now. Uh, so it's still very timely, except I think people have missed the message of the movie. I feel like I, from what I could tell, there's a lot of like incel groups that hail this movie as this is our fucking manifesto. Because there is a point in it where the incels, whatever they, that women are not important, right? Right. It, it, because they've become irrelevant. Like men have become irrelevant to women. So in, in, in turn, women have become irrelevant to these men. These right. men don't exist to make families. These men don't exist to try and, you know, they, they realize that they're worthless. And so they're going to, uh, shape the world in a way that they can through their own brotherhood. Right. So it is kind of like a, uh, now a lot of people who, who've, uh, discovered that Chuck Palahniuk could possibly have been writing this about his sexuality mm. and how he was trying to, um, not be defined. And trying to break the break the like uh, the stereotype or what what it's expected of of who he's supposed to be, and there, there was what one saying is like um, maybe the answer to my life. I've been raised by a woman. Maybe yeah. the answer to my life is not to have any more women. Right. In my life. I don't think another woman is what we need right now. Yes. And he talks about yes. his fathers and how they left him. But I think those groups missed the message because, like you said, Anthony Tyler is great. The problem was. Brad Pitt made Tyler Durden so fucking cool and amazing. You want to dress like him. You wanted those glasses, but he has no solutions. He just offers violence and chaos and self-destruction and calls them wisdom. Well, the thing like, so I like the narrator's journey because in the beginning, he he's so lifeless that he's going yeah. to these groups, he's these numb. morbid groups to feel something. It's the only place where he can cry. And then he meets the girl who ruins this for him. So the next thing he does is he creates this Tyler Durden character and starts to, well, if the only way I can feel something is through pain. Yeah. So then they create this pain group, the fight club, and they add more people and everyone's mutually feeling this pain, but then that's not enough. So then they got to start causing destruction and then they got to start plotting the downfall of society. So it's, 
gone so far to the other side of the scale. Yeah. Yep. Now the the free will and the the lack of uh, any forethought is now other than destruction is gone so far to that other side that it is now eating away at this person's identity. So I think it's a gr- I think a lot of people obviously as you me- both have mentioned like lose track of what this movie is about but again I think it reverts back to balance and I mean the narrator- figuring out what what exactly is going to satisfy your needs on both ends of the spectrum and and norton has severe you know schizophrenia this is severe mental disorder that this guy dissociative identity disorder is what they say and and with insomnia you know also being a big theme so i love this scene where you know brad's like i want you to hit me as hard as you can and he punches him he goes you hit me in the ear (laughs) such a girl punch it's so good and then he punches him and you know i love that feeling of you feel alive when you are in a bare knuckle fist fight, have any of you guys ever been in a fight like that? Have you? Yeah, <laughs> I I have not. No, I've been in a fight. Of course, not, not not to the extreme where I'm bloodied up as bad as these guys are, but I've been in fights. Yes, you get that feeling of adrenaline, the feeling of being alive. Did that happen? Yes, really. I mean, you, yeah. you're, well, your fight or flight spot, yeah, sense or spark. So your your adrenaline does raise to a level that is kind of toxic but i could see how also you you know i love that line where he's like these people came in with jelly marshmallow belly bellies and by the time they three weeks later they look like they were cut out of wood like it just tones you up getting beat like fighters obviously well too. the thing about fighting is that there's a fear right yeah there's a fear about fighting and then once you you're in it you're no longer really afraid yeah right. and if you experience that um enough times sometimes you want to fight yeah because you want that feeling of not being afraid anymore because you want to overcome that fear. Yep. Sometimes the fear now, as you get older, you become more, um, I guess, protective or more afraid and your fear starts to amp up and you, you tend to shrink away from any kind of uh, challenge or anything or anything. That's, that's, and you become complacent or you become kind of like, uh, you know, willingly oppressed by somebody are there i feel like this movie did inspire real life fight clubs and that may still exist well i mean i think this gave the ufc a huge push yeah but where was the ufc in 99 it was it was, it was there around. it was on pay-per-view yeah. it was yeah. on pay-per-view oh but um because i remember on friends there was uh john favreau was a ufc fighter on friends oh that's right yeah he was yeah uh, so it yeah. was like uh, it was out there and it was so it was happening on on pay-per-view but like I don't know. I mean, this movie is like when it went to the whole like uh, space monkeys yeah, and they were blowing shit up. Yeah. And I was like, well, what's the end? I mean, I understand. Like I was on board. I'm like, OK, they're going to people are enslaved by these bank banks and credit companies. Yeah. You clean everyone's debt. Clean slate. And like that, that maybe that. But I don't know if that's the solution, but at least it's something. <laughs> it's not the solution. It's an extreme version of what, you know, the, the Tyler Durden represents but, like, the I extreme. Think that, there are things you can take from this that Tyler exposes that are actually helpful. One of the most brilliant things was when, you know, the whole line about we are the people who take out your garbage, you clean your dishes, don't fuck with us. And you realize 
the service industry really has so much power. If they just all got together and stopped fucking coming to work, cities would the just service halt. industry. Why don't you just go with just extrapolate that and go the the people that hold the power in this country are what like the top, not even the one percent, but like the, yeah, the tenth yeah. of the one percent. Yeah. What if, if everyone if else, the entire middle class, <laughs> yes. is banded? We would you would take over. We can stop. Yes, but, we're gonna but, stop. but that's why yeah. politicians like to divide the middle class. We're going to stop driving buses. We're going to stop processing fucking spreadsheets. We're going to stop everything until real change. But I just love that concept of like service industry. Don't fuck with us. We run everything. And they kind of do. And the brilliance of like the way you see the film grit. You see he's really like playing with the the the, the film itself as a medium. You know, the, the film shakes. You see the, the rolls on the side. You see him splicing a big dick. <laughs> Uh, and it's, there's a big dick at the end of the credits. Uh, you even see uh, you see the flashes of Tyler four times in the movie before he's introduced. He's right. he's also when he's in the hotel room watching the welcome video. I didn't notice this. Fucking Tyler Durden's in that welcome video, and then you see him on the escalator. But just like the Sixth Sense, it, it works even upon rewatch. Yeah, there and there are clues right. that Tyler isn't real. One of the biggest being. When they drive the car off the road, when he lets go and he just lets the car drive, it's a fucking crazy scene. It crashes. Tyler's in the driver's side. After it crashes, Tyler crawls out, pulls Ed Norton out of the driver's side. Yeah, and there's that one. Or the fact that he just ref- constantly tells Helen, uh, tells uh, the narrator to not talk about him to Helen Bonham's character. Yes, he's like, I told you not to talk about us. And then, the, you know, think of the moments where he shows up where the group's around and they're watching the video of the, the, the vandalism they did and they're laughing. And then he goes, what the fuck did you guys do when this is the guy who told them to do this? These people, and they start laughing at him. They gotta be so confused. Just like Marla Singer. Can we talk about Helena Bonham Carter? She's amazing in this movie. This is the first movie where the uh, Fincher cast against type and now Helena Bottom Carter's career is kind of like Johnny Depp. She picks weird roles and she's very good at it. But they also that sex scene, bullet time sex scene, something we're gonna talk about in the next movie, The Matrix, they use the same technology that was the first like photorealistic bullet time sex scene uh they ever did. There is a theory out there, you guys. I don't know if you heard this. So, like we all know Tyler Durden, manifestation of Ed Norton, sometimes the narrator would see him talking. Sometimes he is Tyler. Sometimes he's the narrator. But there's a theory that Marla wasn't right. also real. She was an alternate personality. The house wasn't real. Project Mayhem wasn't real, meaning all those people were just fragments of his personality manifesting themselves. That's far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. That's crazy. Because if Marla's not real. I, I think she, Marla is real. I think I, she I don't is think real. that's what they're going for. Yeah. Yeah. Because because they very much play up the fact that he's two different people with her, which is the just the dual personality and the fact that he's banging her during the day and then at 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 or banging her at night and then during the day he's like I don't get the hell out of here what are you what doing, are you here? doing here? and she must well they think- say that he only sleeps one hour a night right. yes which is when he does all that other shit like cut porn into children's movies and plays I love how they pointed out the. The projector role, Anthony, do you, do you remember that? That yeah. And that's a thing I used to look for watching movies. There's two reels. The dots would come up, but the projectionist, projectionist has to turn one off, turn the other one on right when those dots blink to keep the movie going because it's on multiple reels. And I just yeah. I love the fact that he points out like the, in Are the Are they film. still like that? Uh, no, now that it's digital, digital I don't think they do it or they can put it on one big reel. But I don't see those anymore, but I would always – because at, at college we had like a movie night and there was a projector and I'd always be watching for the dots. 
Yeah. Switch the projector. I'm not surprised that this is like one of your favorite. You're, oh my you're, god. You're right up the alley of this, right? and like Pulp Fiction being your, Pulp your fiction, two fucking true romance. movies ever. Yes. Holy shit. And uh, yeah. Uh, so I, it's definitely one of my favorites. I think it's first of all, it's got a twist ending. Yeah. That you didn't expect. So there's that craftsmanship in the in the filmmaking, right? It's got that green hue, the cubicles, yeah. and the fucking the cat, the guy trying to seize. Or, or it, it's existential too. It's talking it about what it's very deep. You know, he's wrestling with his whole entire life. Yeah. Like, what is his purpose? He's just like this dingleberry that goes to work every day <laughs> and hates his fucking life. Yeah. And he really is. He's going to the point of like going to like testicle cancer groups just to, to just feel, feel like something. a person. Yes, it's amazing. And you get addicted. And I could see how you get addicted to that compassion. And you know, he even says it. He's like, when people. Think you're dying? They and actually listen stuff. to you. He's he's decorating his apartment. Yes, it's empty. And he he, just he's the hole. And I, you know, who can relate to that hole that you fill buying shit you don't need? We all have shit we don't need that we just buy. And then you're looking at these ads, and you're like, oh, this is what a man's supposed exactly. to be like. I, I fucking and related to all of it. And I'm like, so, you are not your job. You are not your things. Yes, you are not defined by these things. And then it asks a bunch of questions, but like it, and it also. uh Brought that up to me. That was it was so poignant. That what is the role of a man anymore? Yeah. Why do we even exist? We don't need to exist. We don't even need to have genders anymore. I mean, I watched right? this so, and I was like, "Fuck, am I wasting my life? The fuck am I doing? Jesus Christ!" <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the crazy lot of comparisons with the other movies, but specifically American Beauty. Both Fight Club and American Beauty are movies about rebellion. The movie's about rebelling against like white collar stuff. The movie's about waking up and living your full life. Both movies mention Star 69. Oh, remember, shit. remember that shit? Remember when you used I to do, do that shit? That. You remember Star 69? Oh, yeah. I, I, I was in the era of making phone calls. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good. Pay phones and you'd Star 69 someone. Both of the movies do it. Both the movies have the lead blackmail their employer in crazy ways. Like, oh, yeah. There's yeah. so many crazy comparisons to the, the yeah, two the movies cubicles, yeah. the, the, um I, that's a great can, scene too where he beats himself then up this ties over to the matrix which yep. is the max yep yeah. was that the, the green color palette yep the green color palette i, I, the I was gonna get into the matrix i mean split persona we'll, we'll get into it but I, I would say there's even more arguments that the matrix connects to both of these movies as well yes all right well let's just move any final thoughts on fight club i fucking love this movie still yeah i love it too i, I very movie. much I don't love it, but I very much appreciate all that's in it. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, it's looking back at it is, is quite amazing. Okay. The last movie for this round in 1999, probably the deepest movie, the most forward-looking movie that predicted so much shit. Deepest? Wow, you're going that far. I think it's pretty deep. It's pretty it's deep. deep I, think it's I mean, I think we've deep. talked about three very deep movies They're already. all deep, but this is just <laughs> I think this deep. is in the running, too. Yeah. 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 The Matrix, uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 88%. 7.71 out of 10 average score box office wide. This was made also for $63 million. Same budget as Fight Club. This one makes $463 million worldwide. So it did well, but not as uh, good as uh, what was the other one? Six cents. Six cents. That made like 672 fucking million dollars. Uh, written and directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski when they were the Wachowski brothers. This was their second film uh, after they did Bound with Gina Gershon, which is also a very good movie. Won Best Visual Effects, Sound Mixing, Film Editing, Sound Editing. It was nominated for four Oscars, won all of them, and your main cast in this, of course, the Keanu Sants, Keanu Reeves as Neo, Lawrence Fishburne, 
Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, Joey Pants, Joey Pantoliano, uh, and uh, some other people. Anthony. Yeah. What's your history with this movie? Tell I, me you've seen this one I've more than seen one this time. one a few times. This okay, is the correct. movie. So I'm what, 11, 12 years old at the time. More so than any of these other movies. Six Senses was up there. But this was the movie that everyone was talking about as a kid. Yeah, yeah. At, at, at my age, this was the movie. You had to go find a way to go see this fucking movie. So I've seen this multiple times. And then you watched it again recently. I watched Give it us- again the other day. Yeah. What the fuck is this one about? For anyone who hasn't Matrix. watched Matrix, I find hard to believe. Uh, the Matrix is about kind of similar theme about a, a middle-aged, young middle-aged guy yep. stuck in, a, in the monotony of his life who's a hacker who's living, but living in a cubicle and meets a couple people that claim that they can free his mind and they, they do and you go into this journey of what what's real and what isn't and how to... How to achieve true freedom it's amazing to this day people just use the term oh yeah it's the matrix there's a glitch in the matrix and without realizing the influence of this movie that still is around today uh uh i mean again this is one of my favorite movies groundbreaking genre inspiring some of the cgi maybe doesn't hold up but whatever it was 1999 what did you think of uh what are your thoughts on the matrix anthony you go first the Matrix. Uh, I mean, I love The Matrix. I liked it a lot as a kid. Um, upon rewatch, I liked it still. I still like it, maybe not equally as much because there's there's really nothing like that youthfulness of being a kid and seeing this movie and, oh, yeah. and just having your mind blown by the amount of action and uh, the the plot and all that stuff. It, it's a superhero movie as a kid. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's the cool kids action movie. Yeah, as far as. This movie has a lot of similar themes to uh, yes, American Beauty and, and uh, Fight, Fight Club. Club. Yeah, for me, this movie's theme is the line from Morpheus: "Free your mind." Yeah, and it's about going out there and re- like getting out of the monotony of the everyday life and figuring out what's real and what isn't. And there's a lot of existentialism in this movie. The action scenes still hold up. The bullet time stuff is revolutionary for its time. The, the 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 third act when he becomes the one and realizes yeah. he's the one yeah. is still goosebump for me. Yeah, this is a, a really fucking good movie and still holds up. Rugs, thoughts on the Matrix then and now? Well, when I saw it, I really, really thought it was a fucking cool movie. Yeah. And I've watched it so many times because they created a they created something that had so much to it that it it, it needed multiple viewings. And then it had the Animatrix support that came the out. Animatrix right after the Animatrix was amazing. And then they had uh, the sequels. Those were and, not good. And the sequels kind of like uh, took the possibilities and and kind of like. Um, so you have like the Matrix opens up this huge way of thinking. This world, what can what can humanity be be capable of doing? And then in the next movie, it kind of like just kind of does nothing with it. Yes. And <laughs> they it, it blow the very potential. Yes. Yeah. So there was so much potential that was. That's a big fuck up right there. They, they opened up all of these great avenues and they just kind of like forgot about them. And they added some other stuff that we didn't give a shit about 
you know, like like uh, fucking ghosts. But because when, <laughs> when that when this movie ended, I wanted to see more adventures of these guys in the Matrix where they can control everything and how you know different heists would get pulled off. And you got none of that in the fucking sequels. Not really. Yeah. But you got it in the Animatrix, which is why it's amazing. At its core, it's about truth, right? Yeah. And um, how truth is something that's uncomfortable, mm, right? Yep. Yeah. And Neo has to make a choice. Does he want to know the truth? Yep. Or does he want to stay in his little bubble? Red pill, blue pill. Do you want to stay in this kind of society that they've created for you that is will keep you complacent? And he said the people, they, they, so many fucking deep things. They say like, the people that are in this society, even though that they're human, just like you, they're going to fight you and there are enemies because they want to keep it this way. And what is it, truth? It, they're hiding the truth. The truth is what well, no, you're that they're hiding. They're, they're willfully ignorant. Right. The, the humans that are in the matrix, they, because they said that every person on a, on a subliminal level chooses to be in the matrix. Right. They had to create a program that you would choose to believe and everyone chooses yes. to believe it. They, so they choose to believe well, Joey pants character wants to go back and, you know, he thinks he's got a sweet deal with the machines. Yeah, he doesn't care. He just yeah. knows that this life is not. Yeah. The truth is too uncomfortable for him. I love that line where he's like, I know the steak isn't real, but it tastes fucking great. And I'd rather just <laughs> live here, which I get. So like, it is like an ex- as existential film. And it's also about believing in yourself. It's about like having that belief that you can be something more than you you know, or, or, or having other people tell you that something is true. Does not make it true? You have to believe the truth is there is no spoon. That's yes. the truth. Well, it's, I mean, it's, the, I, I like that. The, the truth, I think it's also like the limits that society or maybe even yourself with like the, the example for cipher put on yourself, right? Like yeah, the, yeah. on your mind. And in terms yeah. of like, Okay, what's really out there? Can I stay, should I just stay like stay in my lane and go about my life the way I, I've been raised and been taught, and this is what's comfortable for me, and this is what society tells me to do, or do I go out there and I live? You know, I go out there and do I move to the different city? Do I explore different cultures? Do I travel? Do I try new hobbies? Do I do all these things, or do I just stick with com- what's comfortable, like cipher? And maybe yeah. like you go out and you do these things, and you're like, this is way too fucking scary for me. I'm going to go back to what's <laughs> yeah. comfortable. I'm going to yeah. go to my desk job and I'm going to work this job because you know what the truth or having true freedom isn't worth it for me. That's the thing. You take one of the pills. You can't go back. Now, you know, but he said they were going to wipe his memory. They probably work. They're just going to kill him anyways. Uh, but cypher. Cypher. Yeah. 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 They just wanted the codes. But he, he is literally what, what he represents is what there a lot of society. Yeah. You know, there's this theory of like being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah, because it is uncomfortable, right? Like yeah. most people would not. They'd go out and they go, "Fuck, man." His his is an a extreme situation, but it's like, no fucking way do I want to do that. Do I want to <laughs> like work hard and have to like earn my keep. No, I want to be given everything. Give me, give it back to me. Give me back the easy stuff. Right, but there is this idea, and it's it works on two different levels. There's the idea of the matrix as a construct and that what if we're all in this construct? And then there's like, you take it one step further is that, okay, we, that we're living in a construct that we created for ourselves knowingly. Yep. 
So there's the idea is that we're in like we're in the matrix and we don't know it. Like that this whole human experience yep, is yep. is something that maybe some some advanced life has created to as an experiment to enjoy. Or maybe we're all in a game right now. We don't know it, okay? Or in a dream. But then on the other hand, so there's that rabbit hole, and then there's the next rabbit hole is like that everything that we've done as a society is a construct. Yeah. And we've created like, you know, as I said, people are trying to say these there's gender constructs, there's societal constructs, there's class constructs, there's so many constructs that we we partake in and we know that we've in that they're not real. Like the idea of good and evil, it's a construct, right? Yeah. Like when a when a dog or a or a wolf or a shark kills another animal, they don't care about what's good or bad. They just do it. We had to we have to sit there and figure out what's good and what's evil. We have to make we make up a guy that lives in the sky that's judging us. So all of these things, like religion is a big contract. So all of these yes. things are parables or 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 things that we can identify the matrix in. Well Morpheus says it why you know when Neil asked him why did the machines make the matrix and he's like it's a system of control, which is what I always felt about organized religions. They were created to be a system of control over the people. Uh, which is why this is how it works. But uh, back to all the things it did, like you mentioned bullet time, uh, changing special effects. Inf- you see the influence in movies like Inception. This thing reboots existential sci-fi fl- films. Uh, it's original, like all the other movies, completely original idea. Also led to a ton of bad copycats, as a good film will do. But well, there's so many things you said I wanted to talk about. One of the brilliant things is the concept of robots taking over when this thing came out it was so huge it kind of replaced the dominant fantasy we had that was coming from terminator 2 for the past decade right it was the same theme robots will take over the world except they turned it around they said instead of robots are coming this is coming you can't stop it they said this already happened and you didn't even know it you know and x-files was huge also around this time they were kind of doing the same thing but the, uh the glitch when they did the when that that scene where he saw deja vu and she's like, that's a glitch in the matrix. Something is changing. They're here. It made you like think about deja vus differently. Every time I play the Sims and I'm telling these little people to walk around, I like look up. I'm like, is somebody clicking on me right now? The fucking, how do you know you're not in a simulation? That's in a simulation. There is a whole simulation theory out there. Absolutely. That people think we are in a simulation, that this is the matrix. It taps into that. It's entirely possible. Yeah. This fucking cyberpunk style the the way they treated uh, the fight scenes was also. Oh, can I jump in right here? Yes, because I would like to say that uh, as a person who watches a lot of anime yes. and a lot of like uh, uh, martial arts films, yes, this movie took a lot from those yep. two genres yep. that existed in Asia, yep. and they either copied it, ripped it off, or whatever. But they put it in like Yang Mu Ping. Everybody knows him as the, f- the choreographer for all of those Hong Kong films and they used him yep. to do all yep. that. And then a lot of these, uh, these gun battles are right out of anime. The, the fucking the, ghost of the shell. The shootouts are amazing. And then this is the first time you see filmmakers pay attention and give care to the hand to hand combat scenes with the definitive style 
something that, you know, also they inspired other movies to do. So uh, just, you know, it's kind of sad. You think when I see that scene in the in the in the in the hallway with the black coats and just the massive shootout and the the, the bullets, the shells falling down and they're wearing the long black coats. I do think of Columbine that happened, I think, uh, that few that year later, really? 2000. Yeah, because those guys, they were clearly inspired by this scene. They had long black coats. They had guns underneath. Trench coat mafia. They, 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 were, they looked like they came out of that scene in the movie. So, you know, it leads to good things and bad things. But it became, Yeah, but then you can't blame no, art no, on that. No, you can't. But it was such a part of the culture, the pop culture a uh, phenomenon that uh, inspired so many things. You could see influences of like aliens and Blade Runner in this. And I also read Wachowski's told Morpheus, told Fishburne to play their Morpheus like Neil Gaiman's Sandman's Morpheus. But just think about this: every name, yeah, has means Trinity. Something. Yep, Neo. Like Trinity one. is Trinity is is supposed to represent religion, right? Yep. The love that uh, that I guess from the Trinity that when when Jesus is part of the Holy Trinity, and the love is what so kind of saves him, and love is what his message was, yeah, right? Yeah. Now I don't know if the Wachowskis used maybe Trinity means something else, but I think that they pick things that have multiple Definitely. angles you can yeah. work into uh, the meaning. Even like tank. Neo, what about tank? He, tank was just tank. Uh, no, no, tank is just uh, was, a, yeah. could be one. Yeah. An anagram. Yeah, I, there's one point I, I just thought of now, and I, I was thought of it before the show, and I want to bring it up real quick. Is there's a lot? You, there's themes we've talked about. There's one theme that they they poke at, but they don't actually give you a legit answer, and they actually kind of make it seem like it could be both, and that's the uh, theme of destiny or uh-huh. fate versus right. choice. And Neo is the one, so that would seem to to indicate that there is destiny or fate in but life. She told him he wasn't. But yeah, but the the but she tells him, the oracle tells him he isn't. Right. And she frames it in a way that he, to be the one he has to choose to be the one. Yeah. Oh. cuz cuz she says you aren't the one, but she says but more basically she goes Morpheus is going to die and either you're going to have to you're going to die right. and you're going to have to make a sacrifice to save him, which he does. He does die or he's going to die. So she plays to his fact that he doesn't believe in destiny. He mentions it in the film. He's like, I like to have a thought. I like to think that I have a choice in the life my my life is going, or the way my life is going. Right. So the only way to make someone in that sense choose their destiny is to give them the choice. And he yeah. believes that he is maybe not the one, but he believes that he has the choice to decide if he should save them. So the movie doesn't actually give you an answer it couldn't be both it could be free will as, and predestination right and morpheus even says don't think of things as right and wrong right oh. think of it in a different way i think that one of the it's fucking deep the ways they try to explain the oracle yeah. is that she doesn't know the future she just is a program that knows how to like predict the future and she does it with an amazing accuracy but it's still not it's still not um 100 decided there still are variables so in a way she does know what is what's going to happen to a degree but not it's still in the hands of neo at the end of the day what he chooses to i do. mean look at all the things this movie kind of predicted that we see now uh like our national aversion to reality choosing to believe what's true you know everyone does that you click on a thing and you're like this is the truth 
Uh, it doesn't matter. The case for the simulation theory comes from here. Uh, it made me think of the, you know, the Mandela effect where you swore there was a movie with Shazam and, and, uh, Sinbad doesn't exist. Is that a glitch in the Matrix? Is that what did that exist? Was the Bernstein Bears really the Bernstein Bears, but then they changed it for some reason? Uh, you see the rise of superhero movies before this is before Spider Man and the X Men came out, uh, but it got audiences used to this kind of uh, surreal way to move in the air like superheroes. But it made sense because this was a, it was a simulation. It was inside the Matrix. Also, this is the rise of the unlikely non-muscly action star. Notice a lot of movies came out after this where the guy wasn't, you know, your Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was kind of your skinny, skinny, small, normal looking uh, hero action stars. I think it influenced modern movie fight scenes. I, I would actually say that I'm going to push back on that. The, the rise of the skinny or normal yeah. looking action star was yeah. Die Hard. Oh, maybe started with Die Hard? Bruce Willis. Mm. But, but yeah, yeah, Bruce Willis was still kind of beefy, though. But Ooh, no, no, no. Really. I, I'm just going to say that in this kind of hand-to-hand combat thing, yeah. I think it's, I mean, you had Bruce Lee, you had Chuck Norris and stuff like that. And then that. after this movie, you got like Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim fucking fighting Kung Fu in, in, in that movie, you know? That's not right after. It's not right yeah, after. It's not but right it, after. It leads <laughs> that's to a, that's that. That's a stretch. You can follow the thread. You can talk about like Jason Bourne, how Matt Damon is not really the most imposing guy. Yet he's fucking Jason Bourne. There's there there's there's threads. Um, I don't know. There's yeah, threads. yeah, I'll push back. There's threads. That. I think the fashion it influenced a lot of fashion. Sure, the the leather became a yeah. huge. Became the leather and the black thing. sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you look at the flowing green data that they're looking at, their code kind of reminds you of fucking your Twitter feed of shit just flying by, and it's bare, it's going so fast you can't even keep up with it. Uh, that it reminded me of that. Anthony, I think this was the rise of EDM since they oh, used no. the, the Dust Brothers and it made the, the, the soundtrack was huge. Uh, but the choice to use EDM was, I think, very unique in 99 for this action for, movie. For the time, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that was music that a lot of people yeah. weren't listening to very over here. Very forward. Like they're, they're, they're were, it was ahead of its time. Uh, it's also interesting reading about this movie now how the red pill, blue pill thing, the take the red pill has kind of been... Uh, hijacked by uh, conspiracy theorists as like their slogan and 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 fucking right wing nuts uh, always say take the red pill and stuff which is kind of weird. Um, well, their their theory is that you're being you're be, all the media is telling you one thing right. and they want you to look at something take else. The red pill and get away. Uh, from it, it does make sense yeah. that they're using yeah. it, but yeah. And then as far as robots taking over the world, yeah, that's kind of happening, you know. Yeah. They, we're going to make it. We're doing it right now with our phones. Yeah. They're, they're, they know they're everything. Learning. They can hear Artificial everything. Learning. And even they're, the term yeah. life hack, that's like come straight out of the, you know, the content, the inspiration from this movie. I mean, I hacking think the Matrix. It, I think the Matrix is more, way more than those things. I think it's just one of those, one of the first films that had a little, a little bit of something rolled into this movie. So you had, you had the action, you had sci-fi, you had existential shit. You had kung fu. The fact that you could download and know kung fu <laughs> I know like kung five fu. minutes. It's great. I want a programming to fly a helicopter in two seconds. That's weapons. fucking amazing. Lots I love them. it. Now, that's just shit that we do every day now in video games. Yeah. It's all over the place. Like, um, So many uh, movies took that idea, like Limitless, yeah. like for example. Yeah, yeah. They didn't use the, the whole computer thing but they did okay unlocking the human body to do what neo did yeah and all that stuff so it's like i feel like it 
the repercussions of this film are huge. And all the movies after it owe something to this movie, I think. Absolutely. You still see its influence. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Anything final thoughts on Matrix, Anthony? What's your favorite out of the four? So I was going to ask. I, I boiled it down. I, I can rank them. Okay. Uh, let's rank them now. We're sort at the end of this. You want me to go first? You go first. You want scores too, or just how I'd rank? These no, just four? rank the four out of four. They're all so they're all. I mean, I'll preface they're all great movies. They're all great movies. They're all great movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's very tough to rank them, but I, I can actually easily rank them in in my opinion. Um, I'll start from the bottom. Yeah, uh, I'll go number four for me personally. Fight Club. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Three. The Matrix. Okay. Wow. Two, American Beauty. Okay. And number one for me is The Sixth Sense. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you why The Sixth wow, Sense is number one for me. Okay, yeah. That one is out of the four. That All these, all four movies actually have, I wrote down one theme that they all have. They all yeah. have a feeling of being trapped or being yeah. pigeonholed into what you're supposed to be or yeah. what what you think you're, the answer is. Because yeah. even, even Sixth Sense, the kid is pigeonholed into like, oh, you're just crazy. Like, yeah. just say, Expectations. Write, draw happy things. Yeah. Just tell them what they want to hear. Don't draw those things anymore. Right. So, but I would say all the the three of the movie those three of the movies really make you think about a lot of it's different. It's about conformity. Shit. Conform. Right. But Sixth Sense for me makes you think, but also appeals to the emotional side. Yeah. Because like you, Imran. Yeah. By the end of that film, I was like, I think I'm in. I might be in tears by the I end was, of this I fucking thing. I was crying. Thing. I was crying. So, just based on the fact that it, it drew, drew the emotional reaction out yeah. of me, and yeah. the the fact that it is still just as fucking clever without the twist yeah i had to go with six cents being right, best i did four. not think your lineup would go that way uh i'm just gonna go real quick it's kind of easy number four i'm putting american beauty number three will be six cents and i can't decide if matrix or fight club is better they're so close it's kind of a tie fuck you're I, watching the same film i kind of you are kind of <laughs> watching the same movie so matrix fight club is tied i oh, what, a, what, I a, what a what a wimp I go back and forth. Either like Matrix edges it out a little, but then uh, maybe Matrix edges it out a little. I'll go Matrix number one, Fight Club two, uh, okay. Six Sense three, American Beauty at four. Rugs, what's what are your ranks? Oh Jesus, I'm, Fight Club's the for, best for oh, me. Oh shit, okay. Because I I See, really I wanted think, to put it at one. I really think that it's just a the way the film is made is marvelous, and I really think that the book is great, and I it really just. It affected me in a way. I mean, all of these movies are similar, yeah. right? They yeah. all have similar things. Yeah. But it affected me in a way um, of me thinking about who I am as a man yeah. and and what does that mean. And I think that, that that has opened up a lot of of questions for me yeah. in my life. So I that question, the fact that a movie can make me question my my existence of like what's the purpose of me, yeah. like what am I? Why, you know, what is this? And then the second movie would be, I would say, The Sixth Sense, just as in in just acting quality, yeah, and just the acting of Haley Joel Osment and how great he is in the film, and how the restraint that M Night Shyamalan had when he was shooting this, and how Bruce Willis brought his A game, um, and uh, the twist is great, and just all of the themes in this film are. Are, are great so i'm gonna put that at num- number two and then the matrix and american beauty 
You know what? I have to change mine because out of all of these, I when you said the Fight Club did affect me the most out of these four movies. So I'm putting Fight Club at one, Matrix at two, because that's 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 really the bar. When you said that, I was like, fuck, that's that movie did affect me the most for kind of the same reason. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like when you're growing up and all of a sudden you have this movie that kind of challenges who you are. It flips your world. In your bones. Yeah. yeah. Like the other movies, okay. Like the Matrix, it's like it's like it asks all these questions, but it's in such a sci-fi yeah. thing yeah. that it, it kind of you can kind of like lose it if you're not really grabbing onto it. But this one, like, really makes you like, like, holy shit! Like, yeah, what the fuck am I? Yeah, what am I doing? What is the point of anything? What, why? Why am I buying? What am I buying stuff? What am I doing with this? What does this mean? <laughs> You know, like it really made me think about yeah. that. Like a movie made me think about yeah. my whole goal in life at that time I was I wanted Ikea to be rich. Shit. Yeah, right. And I'm yeah. like, well, what? I don't want to be rich anymore. Like, what does that even mean? Are they even happy? And I started to question being rich. What is success? And, you know, I've known people who are make a lot of money and they're miserable. And I've always just enjoyed being poor and happy versus rich and miserable. I don't think you could be rich and happy. I don't think there's more money, more problems. Mm. Biggie I think you could be rich and happy. Oh, I don't know. I think you probably can. I think you can be, I think think there's a pretty good argument to being rich and happy. I think that you're good. Look, life's going to suck either way. You might as well have stuff. You might as well have all (laughs) everything in the Ikea catalog. That's fucking nothing. Uh, Good stuff, dude. This was great. I was pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah, me too. For these movies for this year, uh, let's find out what the nation's favorite movies from that year are. News from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. Oh, God, that's definitely a glitch in the Matrix. It's not supposed to happen that way. So, look, we definitely need to do more episodes on 99 and more episodes on other years. But this year, in particular, had a shitload of amazing movies. Let's hear from the nation. Nick Shev. I, I asked them, what's your favorite movies from 1999? Nick Shev says, Gamera 3. All other movies are insignificant. Geek boner. I like Gamera 2 better, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Paul Gunter, Matrix, Mummy, Green Mile. Pat Downey. Toy Story 2 and Stuart Little. Toy Story 2 is an amazing sequel. Like, it's it's so it's so fucking great. I, I just got to say for Nick Shev, Camera yeah. 3, which I think we I mentioned when we were just talking on our own. Yeah. It's probably one of the best kaiju movies of all time. Really? Oh, yeah. shit. Wow. In my opinion. Wow. Oh. Do I have to watch one and two? You should watch one and two. Fuck. All right. I might want to watch all three. Uh, Chris Williams says Office Space. Fucking fantastic movie that's an amazing film too that's another cubicle movie Yeah, another cubicle movie about breaking free from fucking conformity the 13th warrior was that with antonio banderas yes it was a retelling of uh of uh beowulf oh um, but this time instead of beowulf being one dude it's like a 13 warriors galaxy instead. quest fucking great movie I have to watch that. My again. sister recently watched that. She read a, a story about it. Never watched it. She loved it. She's like, I want to watch all the old Star Treks now. Like it got her excited. To Galaxy Quest is fucking fantastic. Sleepy Hollow with Johnny Depp. Iron Giant, possibly one of the best animated movies ever made of all time. Oh shit! Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon. That's a great movie. That's a lot like The Sixth Sense. Yes, and of course The Matrix. Blake Braden says The Boondock Saints or Office Space. Boondock Saints is a good one. 
Jamie Graben said Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Oh, wait. Fuck that show. <laughs> Alex yeah. Dusso was the one, Anthony, who posted a gif that I didn't know what it was. And you, from Big Daddy, and you right? said it was Waterboy. Right. And it was from Big Daddy. I could scuba Steve. Scuba Steve. No. I could see how you could think it was Waterboy. He's wearing. I like. Fucking... You know what? I like Big Daddy Big a lot. Daddy's too. great. Yeah, Big Daddy, great Sandler movie with my ear. Ron Hans, Fight Club, Man on the Moon is a, that's a great fucking one. great movie with Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman. Life. I believe that's with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy and, and Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. Yeah. Got bad. Got didn't get great reviews, but I like that movie a lot. He actually. says. He says I went a little obscure with the last two. Those are the two good picks. Joe St. John says Six Sense, Fight Club, The Matrix. Joe, you're gonna love this episode. Roberto Rivera, Big Daddy, Office Space, Toy Story 2, Phantom Menace, Matrix, Austin Powers, and Pokemon the movie. Okay. Oh Jesus! Someone brought a Pokemon. <laughs> uh, Fiddlesticks, Winterbottom the Third says 1999 was a good year for movies. Matrix, Office Space, The Mummy, American Pie. That's a new one. That's a great movie. Great teen movie. Six Sense, Green Mile, Fight Club. I hope we talk about more than three movies. Well, we did. We did. There American Pie. Just a quick note on yeah. American Pie was like the. The modern day uh, Animal House. Yeah, yeah. There was. I, I mean, I remember it, literally every kid at my age was like, "Have you seen the movie? You got to sneak in to see this movie where the dude Shannon fucks a pie." Elizabeth, Shannon That's Elizabeth, smoking hot. Dude, that year had it was the last year of great teen comedies. Like they're kind of coming back, but you didn't, you don't really see those anymore. No, you can't. Do well, it. you had that. You had Ten Things I Hate About Ten You. Ten Things you I Hate About You. She's all that. She's all that. Fiddle six says. Uh, she's all that. Varsity Blues, Varsity which is Blues. A, a very underrated. Never, movie. never been kissed. Never been kissed. <laughs> Felix Winterbottom says, if you do pick three movies, they better not be American Pie. She's all that, and never been kissed. And preface each review with how hot I look as a woman. You do look good though. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Yeah. Ah, cute though. J.R. Flamin, American Pie, Varsity Blues, Iron Giant, Joey Austin, Arlington Road. Election, which is a very good movie, and Bowfinger with Eddie Murphy. Uh, that's a fun movie. John Bellotti Jr., Gamera 3. He says, ha-ha, I beat you this time, Nick Shev. That's what you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> Nick was the first one in there. Nick had the very first comment with Gamera 3. Josh McClenney says, my brothers and I would watch The Mummy on repeat. That VHS tape was faded. But, you know, this is another crazy thing of 99. You had movies driven by, like, your Harrison Fords, your Tom Cruise big stars, and then somehow Brendan Fraser slips in and becomes this huge fucking star. Uh, and he's he's good. He's great on Doom Patrol. Uh, Justin Zwerner says Fight Club. Uh, Adam Morris, American Pie. I was that age, so going back and watching it makes me laugh every time for the horrible fashion alone. He says The Matrix, Office Space, Go. Go is a great movie by Doug Lyman. Definitely watch that. The South Park movie in all its Canada bashing glory. All great movies. Now, the South Park movie was huge because... We had been waiting for a Simpsons movie for years. South Park beat them to it and gave us some amazing foul language songs. Yeah, it was like a very big satire. I mean, right? shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. Like, that's the best song ever. I fucked your uncle yesterday. Uh, Tiara Kale says The 13th Warrior. And then other movies that uh, I wanted to mention, I think we mentioned before, go Run Lola Run. It's a great video game uh, take take on video games. Um, any given Sunday, great. Was it? Was it take on video? Well, yeah, games? because but remember she it re- it kind of reset. Like she has like a new a new life to do. Yeah, each, she had a new life, and it was again. a time thing, and she had to get it to save her boyfriend. Right. You know, it was kind of like I gotta watch that again. Also, fractured storytelling, which it just like started over. Uh, yeah. Any given Sunday, great football movie by uh, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone being John Malkovich by Spike Jones, amazing. Three Kings, which is uh, the same plot from 
the other two movies that we just watched, the Five Bloods, Triple Frontier, and Triple and Frontier, the, and, and the Five yeah, Bloods, Three Kings by David O. Russell, which is the it, that one has is that Mark Wahlberg is in that one? Yeah, Marky Mark and Ice Cube. Yeah, and it's it takes place in the, the, the what's his face George Clooney. Oh, and George Clooney in the uh, Middle East uh, war. They got to go back to get some shit. Uh, Eyes wide shut. We mentioned uh, Kubrick's last movie with Tom Cruise. The Blair Witch was a sensation. And it made me mad when I finally watched it. And I was like, oh, that's it. Fuck. Fuck that movie. Uh, and Magnolia. Another Tom Cruise movie. Magnolia was great. Paul Thomas Anderson. Does it take away the originality of the Five Bloods when you know that there's been two movies that were the exact well, same plot that came up plot, before? But the journey rugs. I guess. <laughs> uh, the, and know, the perspective. And the perspective. Yes. Yeah. 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 Tell the same story from different perspectives, but yeah, it's uh, we're gonna go back and get some gold uh, back where we were. Uh, all right, good stuff, nation. Thanks for giving us all your thoughts and selections. Let's finish up with some. What are we watching? Well, I know Anthony's just been watching these four movies. <laughs> That's it. You got, uh, and we might be watching four more movies next week. We haven't decided. Uh, I got a couple of fun picks on Netflix. There's this new series called Home Game. Uh, the jocks might like this one. Nerd. Anthony, this is a uh, short docu-series. It's like seven episodes, and each episode highlights a very weird, unique sport around the world that you may not know about. And it's fucking fascinating. They show you the rules of the sport, and each one takes you through like a championship run, uh, and they're all like half an hour. So the first episode... Apparently, there's this sport that's played in Florence, Italy, that's been being played there for thousands of years, where they play on a sandy square pitch. There's nets and goals on either side. There's a ball. It's kind of like rugby. You got to get the ball, throw it in the net. Each team. I feel like you talked about this. Already. No, I talked about this on our Saturday uh, uh, hangouts. Oh. Yeah, not okay, on the show. Yeah. You may have okay, thought that sorry. was the show. That was just us hanging out. But each, it wasn't a show. It was just team, us being friends. It was just no. us being friends. Each team has 27 people. Oh, right. So you have like five goaltenders, 12 defenders, 12 forwards. And these people all look like UFC fighters. They're all jacked. Here's the game. One guy's got to go over, throw the ball in the net to get a point. How does the defense work? Well, when the, the whistle blows, you just start fucking punching people. Oh, shit. You literally pick a person and you take them down. You box, you hit them. And this opens an area for the runner to go through. Uh, so the rule is once you take a body down, you got to stay on the ground until a goal is scored. So right away when it goes, everyone just starts grappling and trying to take them down. And people are fucking punching each other. They're breaking their arm. It is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Uh, and the other episodes have like the Highland Games, roller derby, free diving, really interesting sports that I, I thought was, uh, you know, I was interested in, even though it was sports. I like when Imran watches sports. I watch sports. I do too. I, I like that when he watches sports and goes and discovers things for the Holy first time. Holy shit, free diving. Have you heard about this? Uh, also, I <laughs> Running. Watch, wow. I, you can run. I also watched that, uh, the fucking Will Ferrell movie, Eurovision Song Contest, the story of fire song. Is that good? It looked terrible. It's, 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 it's your typical Will Ferrell comedy where he has a weird 
uh, hobby and job. And in this one, he's Icelandic. The whole thing takes place in Iceland. And he's like this man child who's 40, still lives at home. He wants to win the Eurovision Song Contest. Rachel McAdams is the girl he grew up with. And they sing together. And, there, you know, there's some – they did some things. Dan Stevens plays this Russian character that you think is going to be predictable and stereotypical. But he's got a little depth. They took you for a swing. And the songs are kind of funny. So it's like a whatever watch if you're in for a silly Will Ferrell movie. That's like all his other movies. I just put it on and I watch the trailer. I'm like, it doesn't look good. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, it's all right. It's just okay. There's some funny songs. And then the first three episodes of Doom Patrol are out on HBO Max and DC Universe. Did you watch Warrior Nun? That, so uh, it's not out yet. It's out today, actually. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about July is a huge month for streaming. All the streaming platforms are putting out tons of shit this month. In fact, Netflix alone, I've seen articles. I don't know the exact number, but it's anywhere from 50 to 80 new things. Oh, meaning new TV series, new movies. In July alone, they are releasing. <laughs> so this week, this is what I'm excited for. Hamilton filmed stage play debuts on Disney Plus tomorrow. I can't wait to see that. I've never seen it, and I've heard good things. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Warrior Nun debuted today on Netflix. Anthony, have you heard of Warrior Nun? No. David Zika posted this uh, in uh, the trailer in our Facebook group. Uh, The description is, after waking up in a morgue, an orphan teen discovers she now possesses superpowers as the chosen halo bearer for a secret sect of demon-hunting nuns. Oh, shit. How does that not geek boner? That sounds great. I hope it's good. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to just check out the first episode. I hope it's good. The Old Guard also comes out this week. That's that Charlize Theron movie where she's an immortal god based on comic books. More, you know, another action movie of shooting in warehouses that Netflix loves to make. And then season two of Hana on Amazon, which is a great, great show. About I have to get caught up on all the Amazon based things. on the movie where uh, this guy trains his 13-year-old daughter in the woods to be a fucking assassin and she's badass. She goes out and they find out about her. So there's so many things on Amazon that I have to watch. I gotta watch the fucking with the guy from the office. Oh, Space Force? Don't did you did you? No, 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 no not the other one on Amazon. Oh, where he's, what's the one on where, Amazon where he's like a like a government dude and he's got like an, oh, it's an action irresistible. series? Irresistible. No. Jesus Christ! I don't know. You better look this it is up. Painful. Yeah. Well, rugs didn't come I, prepared. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> on my fault. I came Hunters. prepared. Hold on, let me look it up. Right <laughs> Hunters is great Shit. on Amazon. There's a lot of stuff on Amazon. It's it's the the the, the, the clear and present danger. What was that 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 guy? Um, uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, but it's it, it's that no, they right. continue that series. Yeah. Jack, oh, Jack Clancy. Oh, Jack Clancy. Yeah, Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. No, written by Clancy. That's right. Jack That's Ryan right. is great. Watch that. It's like 24, but better. I really like that. So I gotta watch that. I gotta watch Hunters. I gotta watch this new thing. What is it called? Warrior. Hey, I gotta watch Hannah. Old Guard. Hannah. Uh, Hannah, that's all on Amazon. Uh, Anthony, any of these sound interesting to you? What are we talking about? Let's finish with. Uh, <laughs> Imran's going to edit all of this out. We got. <laughs> I am not. That's too much work. I'm already putting in work with the podcast chapters. Did you guys even test that out? Probably not. Yeah, it looks awesome. Right? It works, right? The picture moves and you can it's skip great. back and forth. I love it. Good. If one person uses it, I will continue doing the extra work. I'll use it. Uh, the last <laughs> thing I just wanted to bring up is we got way more. Uh, cameo shout out some ECW Queen of Extreme fan scene. I don't know if we need to play these. What, uh, Rugs, what are your don't thoughts? Don't play them. Yeah. I can just describe what happened. Yeah. You got a very nice shout out from her in a bikini. So, yeah. So, David Mobile, my biggest fan, who I, I maybe listen to the show because he 
did say something that only if you listen to the show, you'd know. Yeah. But um, he went and he once again paid uh, Francie and the Queen of Extreme from ECW to do a shout out. But this time in a bikini. Geek boner. And uh, I was like, hey, I was touched by that because this guy's been, you know, shelling out dough to get Big these bucks. cameos. Yeah. 40 bucks a pop. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I should do something nice for my biggest fan. So I wrote him. A, I, I filmed a little shout out. That, it was him. very nice. We talked about it at the beginning. It's a great video. Yeah. You, you want to see what my boobs look like. <laughs> and you want to see my uh, my belly button and my treasure trail. You can go Follow check that out. Follow Rugboy on Twitter at ReallyRugboy. We need more followers so we can get him. I need more followers. It's, this is insane that Imran has 1,000 followers or more, so, and I have 500 something. I want to. Again, I'm going to try to get you on Cameo. It's insane. I, wanna, I don't like it. I want to enroll you as talent on Cameo. Dan Housen, I looked up his Twitter followers. He has 20,000 Twitter followers. So. so he's more famous than me. I guess he is. I guess we were wrong. But I'm still going to try to get you on Cameo. Follow Rugboy. Uh, visit the show notes for this episode, jogginner.com slash three, three, five for links to those cameo shout outs. You can watch them and, uh, how to follow us and links to everything we talked about, how to support, subscribe, make sure you subscribe. You never miss a show and turn your friends on. Hope you enjoyed these four movies. We might do four more next week. We'll talk about it right after this, Anthony. Yeah. What you want to do. But in the meantime, spread the word listener, get the show in your friends ear holes. And we would be super grateful. Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's a nerd. We'll you next time. I fucking loved it. I fucking loved I it. I love this movie. I love these boobies. It's dank. It's dank. It's dank. Get the fuck out of here.